retinal scan. McClure, Brandon T. Authorization. Initiating retinal scan. Eopolis, Ryan J. Authorized. Witty, Sparks. Authorization. Authorized. Good evening, gentlemen. I realize that this intro may be a little bit derivative from a few weeks ago, but unfortunately, I was short on time and I had to think of something. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to kidnap Mr. Ben Magnet, strap him down, and force him to watch all six Mission Impossible films until Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning releases in theaters next week. He is somewhere, we do not know where in the globe he is, but he is somewhere, and your mission is to find him. Should you be caught or killed, we will disavow you and... and you know the thing. How's it going, everyone? It's me. I'm Ben Magnet. I'm here. We're talking Mission Impossible 5 and 6, Rogue Nation and Fallout. And I'm, I'm ready. I have finally done it. I have finally did the Brandon's lifelong dream of getting to sit me down and watch every single Mission Impossible film. We're here. We're about to talk about it, but we got some other stuff to talk, talk about it. Uh, Brandon, how's it going, my friend? Did the intro play? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Because my computer did not appreciate whatever I tried to do and it did not play for me. Mm. Oh. Um, so okay, good. Hi guys. What's up? What's up? What's up? Can't um, find friction. Man, it's twenty it's nine twenty-seven on a Sunday night, and I just don't think we have enough time to find Ben and then make him watch six movies. I think this mission might just be impossible. impossible. Where in the world is Ben Jesus? I'm sorry. I don't. Literally, the street behind me is blowing fireworks right now, and I'm mm. like, "You guys are nuts." So I apologize <laughs> if you get some popping noises from my camera, from my screen. They call but, that the Lord fireworks. Yeah, but we have a big announcement, guys. It's been a while since we've had a big announcement, so I think we're due. Um, everyone, this is the last show, as you know it. The show, as you know it, is changing. Fake Nerd Podcast will be moving. It's it's going to continue, guys. But next week, starting next week, we're going to have a new format. Um, mm -hmm. So today, you know, we it's the classic show you know. It's we're going to do news. We're going to do the movies. We're going to do the book club. But next week, we're going to start with it. We're going to do a new format that will continue on for likely the rest of the show, um, which will be our weekly roundup, as you know it, the news, as you know it, and then that's it. Uh, we are going to be taking the book club segment of the show and the main topic segment of the show, which is normally a movie review. We're going to be removing those segments from the show and putting them. Well, we have a Fickner book club podcast feed and we have a Fickner cinephiles uh, se uh, segment kind of brand on the show. So the content that would normally go in those sections will be on those from now on. So once again, just to kind of reiterate, starting next week, it's going to be a shorter show. That's yeah. one of the reasons why we decided to do it. Uh, so it's weekly roundup, as you know it, uh, uh, news, as you know it, and then that's it. Starting next yeah. week and from yeah. now on. Uh, you guys want to say anything about this real quick? Yes. Uh, also, uh, we will no longer be recording on Sunday nights. Oh, that was the right. Yeah. I keep forgetting about that. Uh, yes, we, yeah, are, baby. we are shifting to our, our default time is going to be Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. We will try and let you know if that will change. Sometimes it might fluctuate depending on how our plans shake out. But the the default setting is Sunday mornings. 
Yeah, so yeah. we will be uh, doing a shorter show, and we'll be doing it in the mornings rather than at, than an ambiguous time between eight and ten o'clock p.m. on Sunday nights. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, it will be. Um, we'll try to aim for the 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 mornings. Sometimes we'll probably have to do a Saturday night, but mm -hmm. moving the show, we're going to be a little bit more flexible um, and try to get it done before. Um, Grayson in the chat, <laughs> out, but I understand. Grayson, you the MVP. You and Mag are yeah. the real MVPs. Yeah. The good yeah. news, is, I was just about to say, Mag, Grayson, don't don't have a heart attack. The show is still going on. We just need to change some things around a little bit. That's all we're doing. The show I is think still going to be here. I think they're sad because they might not be able to attend the live streams anymore. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Because yeah. I know what Grayson's job is, and he's probably at work right now. And he's like, "Well, shit. What am, I'm? I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get a Discord message from him in a bit." He's like, "Well, what the hell am I gonna do when I'm here at work?" You can, you can catch up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, there you go. What I, what I love about the changes, uh, we're not getting rid of anything. We're just nope. shifting. It. Yeah. We're still, we're still reviewing all the big movies we want to talk about. We're still gonna be talking about comics. It's just instead of doing it all in one evening, uh, which is, you know, can be stressful for us as four, four gentlemen who are growing up, uh, we're still going to do the same stuff, just in more bite-sized formats, which mm -hmm. is will make it easier for us, easier for you guys to digest it instead of one big podcast. It's it's a win-win, in my opinion. And on yeah. that note, I will I will clarify, our book club is, is moving out, and it will no longer be every single week, but we are keeping our rotations with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the goal right now is bi-weekly for those. And then we're going to start working back in the ongoing that we started the Fake Nerd Book Club spinoff show to do. Which we used to do years ago. <laughs> so we're going to try and do the ongoing series once again and yeah. get those rolling so that we're, we're constantly feeding out both our rotations of our picks for the book club and an ongoing series that has been chosen by the wheel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, so as they, as they say... Uh, uh, the show as you know it uh, is coming to an end, but the show will continue. Um, I want to just thank Mag and Grayson uh, deeply from the bottom of my heart that they have stuck around these late night live shows for us for many years. Um, it's true, like point. for real. Uh, you guys rock, and I'm so, so happy that you guys have been doing it uh, with, with us. Um, what is, uh, what I, is okay. Grayson <laughs> says shorter show, more content, giving you healthier lifestyles. You could say this is a more positive fallout. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, that that's yes, it is. It is part of the reason, especially the move to the mornings, is to uh, make this easier on us because we are uh, aging boys, and uh, the the more this goes on, the harder it becomes on our on our on our lives essentially okay. and the idea is that we don't want this to become a burden and this will help this become less so Absolutely. i heard this great thing on social media and i want to keep using it i'm not an adult i'm a child with a drinking permit eh, mm. that's true <laughs> Never grow um up. so yeah um sorry to spring it on you guys but um yeah the, next week the change will will go into effect um and uh uh, maybe I'll do a fun little start this with the number one. You know what I was thinking about doing? You know how Marvel does like legacy numbering under like the, the main numbering of the book? I was thinking about yeah. doing like one, 336 in brackets. Ah. Hey man, new, new brand, get a brand new logo. I, I'm I, all for it. I will allow it for one episode. <laughs> just, as, as all classic comics do. Just like Marvel. Immediately back yeah, to 336. They forget that shit after like five issues. Yeah. Not only that, like DC, because DC kept it going, especially with the action detective comics. Yeah, they did. Yeah. 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 
Um, okay, well, that's that's the big announcement. Um, we got the rest of the show for you guys tonight, so let's let's get right into it with some links. Um, my CBR stuff is linked below. There's actually quite a bit of that was published uh, recently. I went through Box Office Mojo and talked about all the box office grossing of all the um, DCEU films now that it's over. Um, so from Man of Steel to The Flash. Um, hey, Aquaman is the highest grossing DCEU film. I kind of knew that, but it's still wild to think. Sure. Um, Wonder Woman not, is second. I'm not doubting Aquaman 2 to turn it around this year for DC. Yeah. Not doubting it. Um, I also have put on... By the way, keep look out on the website, fakenerpodcast.com. I'm updating that all the time. Ben's blog specifically is being updated every day almost. Uh, so stay tuned. Um, I put up an article that was meant to be published in Kaiju Ramen magazine, however, had to be pulled. Um, so I put that up on my blog in case anybody is interested in reading it because it's not going to get published anymore. I just wanted to put it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys are interested in reading about this kind of art coffee table book about this guy who did the artwork, the concept art for Godzilla vs. Kong, Kong Skull Island, and Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, he's putting out a book. I think his name is Richard Bennett. Um, so I wrote a, a kind of a first look article on, on that. It's kind of cool. Kind of fun. Uh, check that out if you're interested. That's linked below. Right on. Neat. Uh, I have an Atomic Geekdom article, uh, where I talk to, no, I don't. That's the wrong thing to say, where I write about, uh, kind of the appeal and, uh, interest of a, of a Indiana Jones spinoff, kind of a Harrison Ford, less Indiana Jones kind of explore like is it possible? Should they do it? What would it kind of look like? Who would it follow? Um, I kind of fall on the side of, yes, I would do want a spinoff. I don't want like a franchise, but like a spinoff is something I want. Um, so that's that's up there. Um, Atomic Geekdom article. That's linked below. And now it's Ben's turn. Ben, returning triumphantly to the, to the, to the description section of the, sh- oh, of yeah, the show. Oh, yeah, yeah uh fusion gaming magazine ben do you want to pull it out you've got it right you got it right there it's right here uh yeah well this so this is technically last month's issue um but we because the way it's um it's printed and delivered of course they take care of all the subscribers in europe first and then the overseas subscribers get theirs so the ones here in america were a bit of a month behind but this one is really nice because hey look there's my face because i wrote about going to socal gaming expo there i am right there there he is very cool yeah yeah fusion issue oh my gosh 45 so that's the where you can purchase and subscribe to the magazine is linked below as well ben the wild 33rd episode of d and dark please okay i need to know what was your guys reaction that the second you when dan revealed that we were in the serial plane and not the ethereal plane i i i i honestly clocked it from the title yeah, <laughs> I didn't, be, to be honest, because Dan, you know, he does these funny titles. I was like, oh, what's yeah, yeah. the what's the relevant thing here? Um, and like, I never really grew up with any of those serials. Right. Like, I never I never really paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so like when it was revealed, I was like, that's that's insane. And I love it. Yeah, um, it was very much. It was very much uh, the guy who plays Emotep. What's his name? Daniel? Daniel. Daniel? Yeah. Uh, Daniel. His, uh, his reaction was my reaction. Like, this is so stupid, and I love it. 
the the second because like when i got in there and it was and he was describing the whole thing i was like the second he told told me about skyscrapers i'm like where the hell am i and then the second he said the the frankenberry cereal i'm like no <laughs> how long how long have you been holding on to this little nugget how long apparently a long time <laughs> The phantom bit was really funny because there is no phantom of the opera serial. So he had to like yeah. the concept right. art one. That was a cool idea. So cool now that you see that, Brandon, you sent me a photo of Carmilla. Yeah, the Carmilla serial. Yeah. So when you sent me that, we literally just finished recording like days after the fact. That's funny. Of our, of like us being in the ethereal plane. And I've been wanting to talk to you about this for weeks because that was I just so until, like, spot I just thought that on. was I just thought that was funny that to be like hey hey look they're making a Carmilla O's or whatever it's called yeah <laughs> but the fact that all of us just got out of the serial plane and it was just like the timing was perfect but we couldn't tell you because it's spoiler territory sure. uh, great still is for anyone who didn't listen yet sorry folks yep <laughs> it's linked below if you haven't it's very it's very fun show one of these days we'll spoiler warn before we talk about DN Dark probably <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so that's all the kind of personal stuff. So uh, across the network, a couple of things uh, popped up this week, such as our, actually just today, the cinephiles for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, uh, Sparks put that up today. It's in both audio and video. So if you missed our review from last week, that's in the description below if you're interested. One of our longest single film reviews in a while. Yeah, I was surprised to see that runtime. We had a guest. We had a guest. We had a guest. Um Oh, fake nerds watch for Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode season two, episode three, um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. We discussed that episode. I really like that episode. Um, I think we all really like that episode. Um, really enjoyed doing that show with you guys. Thank you for doing it. Of course, every week. Love it. Um, okay. Uh, and then before we put up Grayson's comment, I do want to say the last thing, the last link in the description is my conversation episode with Rachel Strange is finally out. Um, I put that up this morning. Um, I really enjoyed that con that conversation. Um, I really, I, I really connected with Rachel. It was very fun to do that. We, such a such a good conversation. Um, we're talking about like uh, uh, art versus content, kind of what her like opinions on that one. Why it's called the narrative labyrinth. Really insightful. Really fun. Um, I I'm spoiled with having talked to some really great people this season um, and, and, and Rachel is no different. Um, highly recommend you listen to that, obviously, because I put it out. Um, uh, I, I look forward to people enjoying it as much as I enjoyed recording it. So there you go. Grayson lives comment real quickly says, yep. I didn't want to say anything, but it's all good. Teases for anyone that wants to know how the team ends up in the cereal plane. Yum, yum, yum. All right. That's, all the links in the description. Please check them out. We work really hard on them. Um, let's go into our weekly roundup. Who wants to go first? I will. Go for it. All right. Two things. Only two things that I really want to talk about. And one of them is really going to be, I'm going to go swing by quickly because Sparks already mentioned it, is I finally saw Elemental on 4th of July. And everything Sparks says, I 100% echo because that is a fantastic film. Go see it. The marketing is bad. It is truly a great Pixar movie. Every other YouTuber I see that has a, has a thumbnail with them saying Pixar has a problem and Wade crying from Elemental is I don't even <laughs> want to watch it because after seeing that movie, no, Pixar does not have a problem. Pixar is doing fine. It's Disney that's screwing them over. Uh, I am happy to say that um, this week Elemental will pass 
the $200 million at the global box office, becoming the highest grossing animated hit for Disney since Frozen 2. So that's good news. That's a real that's a real comeback story uh, wow. this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also saw Elemental yeah. uh, this week. Um, it is really great. Um, there's a moment at the end that they that I saw coming, and I was like, "Oh no! If they do this, I'm not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start crying." Uh, and they did it, and I started crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a really good moment. It's a really good movie. Um, I I really love Elemental, much like I love turning red this kind of other perspective on on society and things like that and the way that i mean we can talk about it so we're blue in the face but like the trailers are like hey remember zootopia here's zootopia but with a romeo and juliet love story and it's not it doesn't look as imaginative and you're you're watching this and you're like that's not that's so not at all what this movie is yeah. Um and I I really love the interpretation of the fire element um the 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 fire elementals um I think it's just a really beautiful story that a lot of people should check out cuz it's I think it's very necessary. Mm-hmm. Um and you guys mentioned the animation on specifically Ember so good. I love yes. her animation so much. It yeah, was uh, it's gorgeous. Go ahead. No, it wasn't just Ember's animation, but the fact that the way the light is playing, or like the way that the animators make the light rays when, like, she's like, say she's standing behind mm-hmm. Wade, and how um, she the light is reflecting out of Wade, or how there was this great scene where Wade, where Ember's talking to Wade, and you the camera's focused on Wade's face, but you don't your attention isn't on Wade's face; it's on Ember's reflection in his face. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's just all the stuff that they do with with lighting and how they turn and how like how light refracts through water is just absolutely beautiful this whole film is absolutely beautiful yeah, and i'm still mad at the because i was going into this movie thinking i don't know if i'm gonna want to see this movie because normally we hear a pixar movie i'm like hell yeah let's go i love pixar and after those trailers i'm like i'm not 100 sure what could this be like pixar's first major dud in my book nope so, completely yeah. different it- it kind of gave the reason why I wasn't interested is because it gave me onward vibes and I didn't really care for onward. I like onward, but it's, I don't, I don't really love it, but it's, this it's, is, it's fine. Yeah. yeah it's fine. Right. And so like, because I was, I was, I was like, okay, well I'll, I'll wait on it. But it was, it was Sparks and Ryan's recommendation that like, Hey, actually should go see this one. I'm, um, I almost didn't see it, but like, I'm glad, I'm glad I said yes. Cause it is, it is way better than the marketing says. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, more often than not, we need to have faith that, Pixar does usually know what they're doing. Yeah. They do have something to do. And um, I'm, I'm really thrilled that you guys went and saw it, um, especially off our recommendation. I'm, I'm really glad that you guys took a chance on it. Uh, I really hope that if anyone is listening to this is still on the fence, please go see Elemental. It's a, yeah. I, I promise you it's worth the money to go see that movie. Good Pixar, baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and the other thing I know Brandon is going to want. So, Brandon, do you want to come uh, join me with this one? Because you saw this one, too. Well, I think it's all four of us. All four yeah, of you're us leaving us out, like like we're oh. not like we're not all like I'm not about to rip my, my chest. Ben's over here playing the Sonic kind of card again, where he's like nobody else really likes Superman very much in this <laughs> podcast group. <laughs> uh, they mentioned it. They mentioned it during our production meeting this morning that they had also watched at least the first episode, right? We've watched, watched the watched? second by now, so we're with you. They twenty minutes long. We 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 squeezed <clears> it <throat> squeezed it out. Um, so we are. So let's all talk about my adventures with Superman, which is delightful, and I adore it. Mini I, F- FNW right here. Mm-hmm. 
I absolutely love the show. I love Lois Lane. I love Jimmy Olsen. I love Clark. I I turned around on the suit. I wasn't a really big fan of the suit design at first. I nope, never mind. I really enjoy it. Oh, when he, I, when I, he does the magical girl transformation, how could you not? Oh yeah, I, Superman. It's Sailor Moon, but uh, the show's great. This... Yeah, when when Lois when Lois and Clark first meet each other, which is in a which is at a, a, a not a diner. What's it called? Um, Delhi deli um and, and she walks in and clark immediately like falls in love i was like you know what me too dude mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel this go ahead uh i was gonna say uh uh jessica henwick was a lot of people's like fan choice to like new lois lane because she's like you know like young and spunky and i was like mm. this is just this is I'm, it's not jessica henwick but it might but it, it could be uh, i'm very happy about this that would have been that would have been cool she would she's got yeah. the energy for i think a really good lois lane uh, um yeah, I, I hard agree with that. Um, yeah, this show is uh, absolutely d- delightful. Um, Truly delightful. The the anime uh, take and the anime influence and style and the absolute love for the medium that they are putting into the show is excellent. I think it's a really it's really refreshing um, in a way where like I feel like they they are homaging a lot of things that are done in anime without necessarily like trying to imitate a direct style. Yeah. Um, right. Of of anime, like they've kind of carved out their own little thing. Like it, it honestly, in animation terms, I think it kind of most of the time looks closer to Invincible. I was thinking but, of Invincible, yeah. But but they've given it so much anime style to it that yeah. I really admire. So uh, this is and... this is done by Studio Mirror, who did uh, Legend of Korra and Voltron, uh, as well as the Witcher animated movie. I adore them. I, I I've, every single thing I've seen of theirs, I've just always loved. Their animation is so fluid. Um, yeah. It's so interesting to to look at, um, and here is man. You could like hit, Clark's hair moves, and I was watching that. I was like, shit, movement and animation. Now that you now that yeah, like I didn't I didn't realize it was it was Studio Mirror, but like them like Livewire doing her thunder shit. I'm like, oh, that's just yeah, like, they're bending right now. Yeah. Um, the villain choices is all, are awesome because like Livewire, like sure that makes sense, and then you want to have Slade Wilson. But it's anime Slade Wilson where his eye patch is anime hair. Mm. And I'm like, Jesus, this is awesome. And the voice actor is Chris Parnell, who's actually doing like that dude's an incredible, yeah. He's like an incredible like comedian, but like I've never do I've never heard him do like voice acting other than his like his funny you're ki- voice. You're kidding. He's me. actually like doing some like shit in this. I'm like, man, this whole production is almost un- he's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. Doesn't he yeah. play Figus? Is it Figus? You know, the guy with the glasses in Archer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, and Jerry. Yeah. And Jerry in Rick and Morty. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like that dude's got range, and I'm like, oh, you get to have range in an anime Superman I, show. Like that's I, incredible. I mean, I, I watched because uh, I watched the first episode out on my lunch break at work, and then I watched the second when I was when the second one was I saw it was available on Max. I was like, hell yeah, I gotta watch this. I gotta finish it. And I was trying to find who the voice cast was, but you know, it goes like super quick. It's an anime show. I could I didn't look it up, but but I have to say. The designs, like when we first meet Livewire, you don't know she's Livewire, and even when they call her name, I'm like, wait a minute, why does that name look familiar? Because I didn't, uh, I didn't catch it until her hair goes on, and I was like, oh, Livewire. Yeah. The second yeah. her hair goes up and she starts doing the lightning, I'm like, oh, there you are. Oh. Um, I love Jorel. Oh yeah. How they how they've interpreted Jorel because King there's King Vegeta exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a bit where because there's a bit where um where Clark is talking to Jor-El and he's like, I don't even know who you are. And he looks sad. I'm like, yes. Oh, oh shit. And then shows him. Yeah. I I really like the way that they, they brought these first two episodes together. I think they've really sold 
the idea. I really, really love putting Lois Lane on even footing with Jimmy and Clark. Yes. Um, yes. Rather than her already being established at the planet. Like, she's familiar with the territory, but she's also an intern, and I like that a lot. Um, I think it allows this budding romance story to really hit, which is what this is at its core, is is this romance developing between and Clark and Lois, and yes. I think it's so cute. What's I, What I think is going to be fun, which I think they're going to do, is what I like that they're that they're starting from the beginning is that, yes, Lois is interested in Clark. I think Lois is also going to be interested in Superman and be conflicted about who she likes more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Clark is going to have to fight himself and, like, has to figure out that whole situation, and then he'll eventually reveal it and blah, blah, blah. There's, like, there's that's yeah. so, so juicy. Much, there's so much here that I love, which is the... Um, like Lois, Lo, Lois Clark and Jimmy's whole relationship is just already cemented by the first time they meet each other, where they have that kind of like meeting behind Perry. Mm -hmm. um, and I love how just done Perry is with these people. Um, he's just like, I don't care. Just get out of my office. Yeah, yeah. it's got it's got a lot of flair. It's got a lot of heart. And I, I think the, even the new interpretations of things, some things like how we're seeing Clark's powers manifest within him, the, the blue lightning stuff that's triggering it. It's all working for me. I really like it in the context of the medium that they're doing. I'm like, this really plays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The Ava inspired robots. Oh, and yeah. and oh, yeah. I really love that it's Ma Kent who gives him the shorts. Me too. Uh -huh. me I love too. that. Me too. Ben, you wanted to say something? Yeah. Really, when I was watching this, both episode one and especially episode two, I felt like I was watching the first few episodes of the Superman anime series from the 90s. Sure. And I was just so enamored. And I, like when I was watching the, yes, it's only two episodes. And as I was watching this, I was just like, Superman's back. I was just, I don't know why. I had this feeling of childlike joy about Superman that I haven't experienced in a very long time. And I don't know if it's just because it's an anime cartoon that's a well-made anime cartoon and it's absolutely, and it's doing different things with Superman's origin. I will not lie. I absolutely love how they put the, the nineties S the thing that the all middle school kids drew on I his did. shirt. When you first meet him, I still draw and, it. Yeah. yeah me then, too. And you can see like, my notes. Yeah. And, and just even, one of the other things I have to I, I want to applaud the show for is them taking risk and doing something new and different. When he meets Jarrell, he doesn't know what the frack he's saying. I love yeah. that. Yeah. The, the 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 choice to make Jarrell speak uh, crypt, Kryptonese is what the subtitles call it was. Uh, <laughs> I think inspired. I, it's 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 cute. It's funny. It's charming. It's delightful. It is everything I wanted it to be. What that what that intro that they showed us prior to the to the to the show coming out sold is exactly what the show is and i'm so yeah. into it i'm so down yeah. for it, it uh, oh go ahead please. i just like it's you know uh how do you feel about you know the, the snyderverse and all that stuff but like that superman trajectory is kind of rocky it is yeah. just incredible to have just like superman be on screen it's just yeah. really really cool to have like and then like the movies come back like it feels like man it's like coming home like coming home to kansas like yeah. it's, it's just it's a nice feeling like um I what I think is really special about the show and what I think will be true of the show going forward because of the way that they're doing this and the format and everything is that Clark Kent is, is a character first and you get him first. And then, you know, Superman is attached to that, but they're developing Clark Kent. Yeah. And that's he who he really the, is. He saves a cat out of the tree the first time we meet him. Right. I mean, you know, like every, everyone's talked about, we've talked about it before where like, you know, Batman is who Bruce Wayne really is, but Clark Kent is who Superman really is. And yeah. like, I think putting Clark Kent as a first step forward is the thing that's making this even, even kind of feel different. Um, while I understand what Ben was saying from the nineties cartoon is, is putting him forward. To quote J. Michael Straczynski's Superman Earth One, 
the mask is what you're gonna have to be wear the wear the mo- the rest of the time. Like when she's telling mm-hmm. like if you're gonna be this character or this person, you have to be a mask when you're not wearing the suit. And you can still be Clark, but you have to be Clark, or you have to. I, be, yeah, I really hope that we get the magical girl transformation every episode. Okay. I don't think we will, but I want it. I think it's a dream. I think I think it's I think I believe it. This type of show, I can believe it. Uh, yeah, solid. Really yeah, happy with show. it. Excited to watch more. Yeah. Honestly, just from like those two episodes, the way that I just kept thinking about it, this is probably gonna make my top ten. Uh it is so nice to be at a point where there are two excellent superman shows on television that's superman and lois and now this i've gotten spoiled for some stuff and that's me being like really behind but i'm like i cannot wait to catch up on um okay well then I, that was the last thing i wanted to bring up so I'll, yeah I'll that, that was it i'll go next because i think i share this with with sparks and ryan that'll segue into them which is the blackening Oh, oh sure, that was this week. That's true. Yeah. Um. Oh, so God, like yeah. obviously Elemental, My Adventure Superman, but I also saw the Blackening with these two gentlemen uh, below me. Yeah. Um. Which is uh awesome. I really really liked it. Mm-hmm. For for those who might not remember or know, uh, the Blackening is a uh, kind of satire on horror comedy. Um. That is making a joke of how black characters have been treated treated in horror movies and so you get all these uh, uh black performers together in a cabin where they are now being like directly attacked in a really racially provocative way uh and and the hilarity that kind of ensues out of how they encounter the situation and deal with it and it, it goes for some really really good jokes um yeah. yeah it's a lot of fun really encourage people if you've got a chance it's probably on its way out of theaters if not gone it's actually i think i literally saw uh it's it hit vod like like this weekend yeah yeah so uh you know check it give it a give it a check out we yeah. definitely talked about the trailer a while back and it, it was worth it I'm what day did we, we see it? monday that was monday yeah and, uh, and i think because of the holiday weekend but like our theater was like pretty full and had like really good reaction like it was a good theater experience which is always helpful yeah. for a comedy uh it was a really good time yeah yeah, the, our theater was very responsive to it, which really helped because it's it's very funny. Yeah, um, and there's the, the I, I know that I, I think that we the, our whole row had the same moment in the the first joke where we all like should we laugh at this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's one there's one early joke in that one, Ben, where I'm I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really like it. I really want people to go check it out. It's I, I can't really say too much more without spoiling it, um, but it, it's awesome. One of the best movies yeah. of the year, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely a really fun one. It was nice to go laugh that hard again. Uh, all right, one of you guys. So I, I, I have nothing new this week. I've just been playing more Zelda and Final Fantasy sixteen. I don't really have much to add. That they're they're both really good. Like they're both incredible, incredible feats of uh, video game uh, uh, <laughs> performance. I love it. Um, everything I did, I did with Sparks, and we've mentioned Adventures of Superman, uh, the Blackening. Uh, and I don't know, honestly, I don't know if you've done anything else. So like, I um, don't have much to add. I, I did want to give Brandon just an opportunity, like just to spotlight, you did watch Nimona, right? Or was that last week? That was last week. week. That, was last week. that was last week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I read the book and I just wanted okay. to say like, the book is, the book is well worth a read. If you guys get a chance, it's a graphic novel. It was clearly a web comic to start. Yeah. Um, like a web comic, like when I say web comic, it was a web comic the whole time brought into a graphic novel, but it was a, it was very like web comic format yes. in the beginning and then it finds its story but like there were clearly ideas even from the beginning as it starts to flesh itself out it's a very unique world um i'm sure that's true in the anime film i'm very interested because i i'm very interested in how they adapt like what they did in the book into the film so okay, i'm excited I to watch it i haven't read or seen it but I, from what people said like it is dramatically different yeah and i'm i'm kind of down with that because i i feel like 
just from the trailers, like the core of what's important about the story is clearly in the film. Yes. So I'm not worried about it. And like, I'm down for like kind of radically different interpretations of how you tell that story. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really kind of about that. Yeah, I, I think saw, that's cool. I just saw a very small <laughs> clip about Nimona and thankfully Fanny and I, like Fanny just got Netflix again. Because you know, because we were mooching off my dad, and then Netflix did the whole thing. So our password was Yoinkin. Oh, you got got. Oh, you act, got I haven't met anyone yeah, who got, got got yet. Yeah, we Me got too. got. Me too. Oh, you no. got got. So okay, so yeah. what? So yeah, yeah, we we got got. But there's, it, we were able to buy our profile off of the person we were having. We were mooching Netflix off of. So we still have a profile, but we don't. You have, inherited. Yeah, we we kind of kept it. It's we, a weird system. I'll tell you guys about it later. We did we didn't. We just created brand new ones, but that's totally fine. But Nimona was one of the ones I really wanted to watch because I would see like clips, like trailer clips on social media of like her turning into a shark, shaking the guy's hand or trying to shake the guy's hand. And there's this other clip of like of the dude with the mustache. She's like, "You guys like jazz?" And he's playing the saxophone while other people are chasing him. And I'm just like, I've heard nothing but great things about this movie. I need to watch it. And this is gonna. I am gonna watch this movie. I'm going to, at least the next time I'm on the show, I will hopefully say I've seen Nimona because I want to see this movie really bad. It's one of my favorites uh, of the year. Animation really killing it this year. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to get to it, but I am glad that I, I I'm glad that I read the book because I, I wanted to do that and I, I think it was well worth it. So shout out to that graphic novel. And the only other thing I want to mention is um, Unicorn Warriors Eternal. I've talked about it before, but I, I binged, uh, watched in one night, like the last five episodes, the back half of the season. Um, that show goes some places uh where it leaves off in the season i don't know if they've i think they confirmed a season two but honestly i need to look into I'll it tell you. uh thanks um because uh I, I definitely want more of it um highly recommend for those who are fans of tartakovsky you need to check this out the animation is is gorgeous um he's doing some stuff where he's just having there's some scenes where he just kind of goes on about like d-list characters in the story like just like absolute total side characters and he's just kind of having fun with them on the side um I, I really love the style. I really love the art. This is a, a unique story. Just this is one of the most unique original things I've seen in a while. Um, while it is taking inspirations from a lot of things and even Tartakovsky's own like sense of characters and things he's been attracted to before, it it is coming together for like something that feels different and new and in its own whole. Um, I really, really like it. There's There's some really incredible character stuff done in the back half of that season um particularly for for brandon i i highly recommend you get to it uh just because like uh, you're you're you've been watching primal and stuff i i i think tartakovsky has maybe never been more in his element uh, than he is on this no confirms just with what he's doing no confirmed season two yet yeah i really hope we get one so i i highly encourage people to watch it all 10 episodes for the season are available on max um (sighs) God, I hate saying that. Um, uh, but it's on Max, and I and I, I really, really like it. I really hope pe- more people check it out because I I'm, I heard a lot of discussion about it when it started, but I haven't heard as much since the last episodes came out, and I, I hope people keep championing it because it's a great show. Yeah, I really need to get on that. I also need to finish Primal. I haven't finished the last couple episodes yet. Um, we kind of touched on last time just to remind everyone what Unicorn Warriors Eternal is. It's, you know, these people who are reincarnated generation after generation. They are brought back into new host bodies. Uh, their souls 
are revived into these new host bodies by a robot from the future who saves the souls after they defeat the evil so they can fight the evil again and they cycle through this over and over and um there's there's definitely something in the wind and we don't find out by the end of the season like something has has made this time go different mm. um they don't seem to be in the bodies they were supposed to there are even um two descendants of previous hosts who were prepping their whole lives to be able to take this on and are frustrated that they did not get chosen oh no and so like they but they get involved in the story and it's it's really an interesting crux point of this kind of storytelling about uh chosen destiny and reincarnation and how that comes about and then these these kind of like young kids who get mixed in and like i what i really like is that you have two kids who are not supposed to be the hosts it, according to like the people who would judge that mm -hmm. um and the main one are our lead girl her identities are kind of fighting it and the other kid kind of just like completely gave into it and has free spirit but like is more childlike because of it um, as he is possessed by the soul, he's like completely connected to it, but he's he's now like more childlike, like the original identity is than sure. he was before because they have completely like he's very zen in his way, so they have like completely subsumed into each other easily. They're combined forces. Yeah, it's really really interesting. You get a fusion, uh, and you'll get right. shit like real quick. You'll get shit where you'll just like drop into like South America, and uh, Merlin will be there, and Merlin will be like investigating something in the jungle, and then all of a sudden this like tiger champion appears and he's like ah oh, rakashan i have heard of how you protect this and like you are just given like lore bullshit to get people involved so quickly but, like these sick ass character designs it's great 20 minute episodes That's awesome 10 episodes 20 minute episodes oh yes oh yeah uh okay anything else no that's it all right well why don't we move into our bread and butter then small news this week uh, very, very minuscule news. It's almost like it knew what was coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fede Alvarez's untitled Alien film has finished, has wrapped production, confirmed by uh, Fede on uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that filming started uh, March 9th and ended this week. So that's cool. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's a small budget movie. That seems that's that's not yeah. doesn't scare me like a Deadpool situation. No, God, no. Which we now know is which is definitely 100 <laughs> percent not. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm I mean, look, I'm still concerned because like the, you know, changing things in the edit and, and things like that need to happen. You need sure. to flow with the story. So I'm I hope that they put out a good alien movie because this was moved from hulu to theaters and i would love to go to the, see a, a good alien movie in theaters again yeah, especially I by do, fede alvarez true i do just like while you are bringing that up because we are we are like up very quickly approaching the moment where it looks like sag aftra is going to strike mm -hmm. and oh, they're, they're, they're ready they're confident. ready oh they are they are so ready it's not even um yeah i'm pretty sure it's going to happen and since that that we seem to be on the precipice of that i do think a lot of productions are in this state where just get the thing filmed and yeah. if it sits in post for a while, that's different. Like there's a different amount of money lost on that situation for holding it off yeah. because they can fix some things in the edit once they have cleared these strikes. Yeah. But like the filming stuff, the, the people on contracts for locations and time and scheduling, that's the stuff I think they want to get clear of. True. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, we talked about a little bit about alien, alien uh, sorry, alien uh, Deadpool three just now we talked a bit about it last week. Deadpool three did not stop filming. Um, it, it has continued filming. Um, I think I think 
deliver i think disney deliberately leaked those photos uh, and be <laughs> like we're still doing this guys yeah good look um, and see yeah uh we, yeah we got a, we got a first look at Deadpool's uh, new suit i forget the name of the costume designer but the designer for this version of the deadpool costume is the same designer for the blue beetle yep costume looks good yeah more that vibrant color costume yeah. looks very good yeah, that Deadpool costume looks pretty good, to be honest with you. Can't I kind of like the color. Yeah. Can't wait to see, yeah. see it on the sphere. I like I like less complicated detail for Deadpool. Yeah. Um, while I think the Deadpool costume looked really good in the original films, um, simplifying it into just, like, the colors looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that so that, that's that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't stop filming. Um, but we got news this week from THR, an exclusive from THR, saying that Jennifer Garner... Will return as Electra from yeah. Daredevil and yeah. the Electra film. Yeah. Also, uh, this is this is a more recent one that Brian Cox, who is William Stryker from X Men Two, also who just quit Succession. Succession, yeah. Where so now he has a lot of free time and probably needs like another pool. As well, he didn't, he didn't quit Succession. No, Succession ended. Right? Well, he also you don't watch it, but his character spoiler died at the very beginning of the season. Oh, so okay, he's okay. so yeah, he actually hasn't been on Succession. Oh, I for see, I see. A while. Uh, so I believe that one. Here's the thing. I think, first of all, everyone, when you hear Electra, you're like, are you kidding me? Why? This is a Deadpool movie. This is going to be a joke. This isn't going to be they're taking it seriously. It's like they have, they got, they got Jennifer Gardner. And I think she's going to be in on the joke too. I don't think this is like serious. Like, whoa, it's Electra, guys. Like, I think this is going to be a joke. Yeah. So the, so the reason why the Brian Cox thing isn't in here is because that's not confirmed by a reputable source. That is yeah. still rumor right now, but I, I it's most likely true. Uh, but the Jennifer Gardner thing was reported by THR, which was wild to me because this is like when Alfred Molina was announced as in, in Spider-Man. Like this is yes, true. This is, this is, this is real <laughs> because now you're like, well, if Jennifer Garner's true, then Ben Affleck's true and the fantastic four are true and whatever. Yeah. So uh, she, so I think Ryan, Ryan's right. I think there's a sense of like, probably like a Deadpool killing the Fox Marvel universe here think, happening. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jennifer, Gar- Jennifer Gardner, by the way, worked with Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds on the Atta Project, so I'm sure that was a very easy sell to be like, "Hey, do you want to come over, do Deadpool three with us?" Get a new if, pool. If the story is literally like Deadpool on some meta mission to get into the MCU, he's like, "I'll kill everyone else to get who, there." Who do you need? And like, that's what it is. And it's did it, you get all these other cameo actors to be murdered by Ryan Reynolds? Listen, yeah. I'm kind of into it. It's just really, really funny that Halle Berry took a picture of herself with, with short white hair and, and just been like, what's up y'all. Yeah. And it's like, Halle, <laughs> come on. Halle, what are you doing? I hope, I hope that even if it's like done in a jokey way, there can be some amount of like, I, I want, I don't want the whole movie to be like this, but I yeah. do want some sense of like a celebration of how we got here. True. Um, like these movies were the bridge to getting us to where we are with superhero films. Yeah, pull it and I do bridge, want yeah. an amount of like a celebrational aspect to that. Yeah. Uh, you can however, kill them, but also like show a little bit of like respect. Which is me saying, I want Eric Bana. Give yeah. me Eric Bana. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I mean, it could, you can very, you could very well be doing a movie where, where, where your idea is to do what everyone thought Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was going to do, which is bring yeah. back a lot of the previous Marvel actors, the ones before the MCU, uh, the Eric Bannas, the uh, Edward Nortons. I highly unlike. Do a Flash, yeah. Nicholas Cage, yeah. Ghost Rider, yeah. Nicholas Cage, Ghost Rider, exactly. Like, and I, I, I agree with Sparks that like, there should be some some kind of celebration, especially like with the X Men films because they were so seminal um, to to 
creating what we have now, um, yeah. especially because Kevin Feige started there. Mm-hmm. But I also really kind of want a lot of these cameos to just be the Deadpool 2 X-Men Apocalypse crew, just like closing the door on Wade. <laughs> and that's yeah. their whole cameo. It would be like really funny if like this whole Electra thing, she's literally in her for like three seconds. You're like, what, me? And then it just cuts like, oh, we brought, yeah, we have Electra. Who, me? And that's it. Like if that's, I'm okay with that. That's great. Like, again, this is Deadpool. Like I trust, I, I trust that crew. Uh, it's probably gonna be a good time. I I just immediately picture getting Patrick Stewart again, and like, like God and like, damn it! No, no, no! And like, he comes into a room, and like, he says a sentence, and then his neck is immediately twisted. And oh, Deadpool's yeah. like, and Deadpool's like, you already got multiverse of madness. We can't afford you. <laughs> and Patrick. I'm like, that's on like an American Dad Patrick Stewart level joke. That yeah. feels like the kind of thing that would be done with his character on that show. And I was like, true. you know, if that's where we are, I'm okay. Or like, he shows yeah. up. And like Patrick, you're not in this one. Oh, sorry, sorry. Walks off screen. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah I'm like, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. He, got, no, he wheels in, yeah. and he's like, Doctor Strange. Like, you have, but Doctor Strange is there, and he's like, wrong movie. And sorry. he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, I'm, that sounds like a good time. Because it's Deadpool. Because it's Ryan Reynolds and Patrick Stewart, and just that. I want that now. Yeah. I I really hope that some joke like that is in this movie. Because that just sounds like it'd be the, one of the greatest times of the movies. It's a superhero film, but it's one of those superhero films. It's like, it's like you're there to have a good time. I yeah. I I like that when Multiverse of Madness came out, Patrick Stewart. You know, he was he was doing Picard at the same time, and he was asked like, these two characters, you keep returning to them. What, would you keep returning to them? It's like I would keep returning to Professor X as many times as they would ask. I would not return as as Patrick as Picard anymore though. Um, and I'm like, damn, dude. So you're in this Deadpool film, right? <laughs> I love a good paycheck. Who doesn't? I mean, hey, man, people love them. It's Hon- honestly, like, I hope I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sad at all if we got just one more Patrick Stewart and McKellen scene. Yeah, just oh, one more. Just one. That's all. Send us yeah. off into that oblivion. I I hope with so. With a smile. I miss those two on screen together. To I didn't think it'd be this way, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> a dead I, movie. I, I don't know why, but I just keep hearing Ian McKellen quote uh, all those years wasted fighting each other, Charles. Just, you know, Ian McKellen's sultry oh. voice. No, but like splice that death scene from Days of Future Past into Deadpool 3, and it's way funnier. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. Yeah. So fun. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm staying. I'm saying hopeful that like it's got that right mix of of we're having fun with it, but we're also like telling a story here. I don't want it to yeah. be just like remember. Yeah, remember yeah. it. Yeah, uh, we, don't... we we know that uh, we, there's a rumor that's most likely true because we 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 uh, we saw we got a report saying what was happening on set that Owen Wilson is probably in this as. He... Uh, well, we know the TVA is in it for sure. That's what I was saying. We know yeah, the yeah. TVA is in it now, so it's very likely that this rumor of Owen Wilson being in it is also true. That's great. So, we'll if see. I it, it's if it really is like Deadpool has to be a oh, TVA agent. Oh yeah, because the, against, TVA, yeah. the TVA will just hire him and be like, yeah, yeah, call call all this out. Yeah, and we'll keep you. <laughs> yeah, that's such a baller move. Uh, like, yeah, destroy that whole universe. Deadpool is yours. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, I get to survive. <laughs> And crossover sounds great. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a cool idea. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We have some Chronicles of Narnia news. <gasps> I guess so. Aslan. 
The what? New Yorker is reporting that Greta Gerwig, the director of Barbie, mm-hmm. uh, is attached to direct two Chronicles of Narnia adaptations. They did not specify which books yeah. she was adapting, but she is she is attached to the Netflix uh, two Netflix adaptations of two yeah. books. How many so books ben, so are like, there? So I, I don't know. Twenty eighteen, Netflix bought the entire rights to all all that shit. So like they've been slowly making like building like a writers' room and like making like they're gonna do an old whole cinematic universe of movies and TV shows. Uh, so like this is the first really big like we got Greta Gerwig for two movies. We don't know which ones they are yet. And I'm like, so she's not doing the first one? So where well, are you guys? Well, so it could be... So this was not an announcement, right? This was a scoop yeah. that The New Yorker picked up. So like Netflix yeah. didn't say that this is what we're doing. So Greta Gerwig being attached to these um, has, hasn't been announced, which means we don't know what she's doing. Yeah. But what is most likely is that she is do- just doing the first two. Most likely, yeah. Uh, Sparks, you're Chronicles of Narnia person. Oh, I've read them. <laughs> I mean, I've seen, when I've when seen. we were watching those movies, you were the only person who knew anything about them. Yeah, I've, I've read them. Um, I I don't think they're I don't think they're like incredibly stunning or anything. I think they're 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 good to find. I've read the Bible. On, they're they're good to find depending on which one it is. But here's the thing: like, um, like them or hate them, those those previous three films that came out, they kind of nailed it. Like, there's not. There's not, they're not long books. They're not big books. And um, I think those three movies kind of captured everything there was to capture in those books. So you're either really radically trying to differentiate it or reinterpret it, or you're retreading if you do those and three stories it out too, at all. Now, Magician's Nephew, which is technically the sixth book in the series, is technically a prequel to how the family gets involved in everything. There are elements that are kind of forward and looking back but like most of the story is set before um so you could start there and that's something they haven't done um but uh greta gerwig did say that she wanted to go into bigger budget fair and this is this would do it this would be that yeah yeah i well with netflix that's that's the only problem (laughs) like Netflix's track record for these kind of things are, are, isn't super great. I, I I think the other thing I was talking with my wife about this is that like I really like Greta Gerwig. I think she's got a talented eye just based off the Barbie trailer and the, the Little Women film. And um, I I want her to do big blockbuster, but I kind of wish she was doing something less big known IP. It could be based off something. It could be an adaptation of something with a big, but block. something that hasn't already but, been. But adapted. something, but something like and something like you know. Yes, something basically fresh to film and, and something fresh to popularity. And, and Narnia is just not what I pictured. Um, yeah. I, I have no doubt it will look very good. Yeah. Uh, because Greta Gerwig really knows what she's doing. Um, I just, I'm not thrilled that it's Narnia and I'm really not thrilled that it's on Netflix. Yeah. If I'm being honest. I don't particularly care for or like have an interest in Narnia. So like, you know. And I don't think most people do. I don't I, think I, our, like generation, our generation lower nothing here's the thing like once the harry potter books came out i don't think a lot of kids read those books anymore yes so like your only associations are those previous films yeah. uh and i don't think that those books have been picking up a lot of new readers unless like parents have been like pushing it onto their kids and even then who knows how much they've liked i don't it. see anyone talking about those movies yeah, yeah that's the, 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 i don't think narnia has the hold that netflix might think it does yeah, yeah. I mean, even I think, those movies fizzled out. And it wasn't because they were bad movies. It was just because nobody had an interest in them. Yeah. I mean, didn't Disney sell it to Fox after the first film or something like that? Second. The second. And then second it, film. I think it comes Yeah. Back. 
And then they did the then they did the third then Fox did the third film. Yes. And now they don't have the rights. And now Netflix has the rights. I mean Netflix is scrambling for IP. They want franchise IP. Which is why they got which is why they're yeah, doing the, third, the the third film, which is technically the fourth book, if I remember correctly. Prince Caspian? Yeah. Ben Barnes. Uh, Nope. That's why Netflix is doing like the shared universe roll doll thing, and then and now this like they want they want their IP, they want something big that they can market, and they because they keep failing at that. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. We will. The producer, Jake Wyatt, who is the producer on My Adventures with Superman, has confirmed that a second season is in development. It was ordered well, before the first season. We've, we've obviously already praised that show, so you know that we're happy about Do we know this. how many episodes the, fir- the first season is? I, I, saw, I saw 10 on IMDb. I don't know if that's the full list. But that might 10, be. 10 sounds right. Yeah, I'm just going to double check. I'm just, I, which, want, I want 100 of them. Which, let's be honest, Cartoon Network and, and Warner Brothers Animation has done this before. The, the rest of the episodes might have already been made, and they're calling it season two just like Netflix has done before. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but it's nice to know that we are getting more episodes, um, which will hopefully allow the show to continue because uh, Zazov kind of shunted it off to Adult Swim. Also, it's getting good word of mouth, good mm-hmm. reviews. I'm happy to say, I'm happy that it's getting another few episodes. To be honest with you, Adult Swim might have been the best place to put it. Probably. To be honest, like honestly, mm-hmm. more than Max, like you are getting you are getting your advertiser numbers with that one. So you know that that show is doing something for them if people are watching it on Adult Swim, which is great. That's great. That means the show has legs. I love legs. <clears throat> uh, trailers. And here we are. Tea, talk, pulling into the park. Let's talk about Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Y'all, I'm still super hyped for this movie because I love that this trailer is like, the complete opposite of that first trailer. If you guys remember the first trailer, it was really dour and very serious. And this one is a little more, a little more risque, a little more fun, a little more comedic, a little actiony. And this is, this is another Martin Scorsese over three hour long epic. Um, That's going to be the gamma of emotions um, about uh, a, an Indian tribe who, who settled on some oil and the white man come to try to take that oil. Uh, And it just looks like a, it looks like an incredible movie. And Leo looks like he's killing it, and De Niro looks like he's killing it. Uh, I'm so excited for this whole cast. It just looks, it just looks like a real ass movie. Uh, I'm just, there, I'm so excited for it. There have been some really good trailers this year. I think this might be the best trailer, it's like good. as far as how the trailers cut with its music, the shots we're seeing, the way we're being given the narrative of the film. The music. Yeah. This is one of the best trailers of the year, I think. Um, I really like it. It got me. Like I was already interested just just by nature of a lot of the things that we saw from the first trailer and what it was about and Scorsese doing it, but this trailer like has me hyped. This is a very get me get me jazzed about seeing this trailer. I really really liked it. I thought it was well put together. I'm excited for the movie. Yeah. Uh, Bob Marley, One Love. So I mostly wanted to keep this here because this features Lashana Lynch, who I love. Mm-hmm. And Kingsley Bendir, who's playing Gravik currently on Secret Invasion as Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah. Um, and I think that's great. I think he's doing an incredible Jamaican accent. I think he's doing a good job of portraying Bob Marley without feeling like an impression. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. from the trailers. This feels, to me, um, it feels like he's taking just as much of a stance on on how to portray Bob Marley as um, Edgerton did with Elton John. 
yeah this feels very yeah. in line with that where like there's a, an amount of making it their own um and not getting too impressiony but they've really captured a lot of who the person was yeah uh i also think this is just a good time for this movie yeah. um a movie about bob marley a movie about what his music meant what his uh icon icon level meant um for the culture <clears throat> that seems really cool and it looks like it's really well made yeah i i i love i can tell this isn't a um cash grab this isn't a bohemian rhapsody this is one where it's diving into his entire life and looking at the good and the bad and not that like you know but like it's diving into all the political stuff and not just like he was a groovy guy and this like because that's what most people know him as so it's cool that it's like no it is a a real a real one and not like a, a not a cash grab like it that. does feel like a, much like rocket man it's more about his personal life first the music second absolutely yeah and i and i value that that yeah. looks really cool sure yeah are they using Bob Marley tracks for yes. the music, or is it him, or is it Kingsley Benadire singing? He's definitely he. I don't know if he's singing in the movie. It was definitely just Bob Marley for the trailer, in the trailer. For the trailer, what you're hearing mm -hmm. is definitely just Bob Marley. Yeah, if yeah. he's singing yeah. in the film, we haven't heard it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, very similar to the way Weird Al did his biopic. Hmm. I'm not. I am not opposed to hearing him be Bob Marley and sing the songs in the film. But like, I think you have to be prepared for. It's really not. Bob Marley was very unique. It's going to be very hard to sound like because that Bob could be Marley. an impression, trying to yeah. sing like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even then, like you, his voice was unique. I think in in talking, like he's able to capture, again, like he's. I don't feel like he's trying to impersonate Bob Marley. I just feel like he's trying to capture his identity. Yeah. Uh, in the performance, and I think that's the right way to go because Bob Marley, in speaking and singing, had a very unique voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Mortal Kombat 1, the Lin Kuei gameplay trailer. Yeah, this just looks awesome. I'm glad yeah. you agree. Really, really incredible. Um, I'm I'm glad they feel so confident to show just a gameplay trailer this way. It feels like they're really showcasing so much of what this game has to to going for it. I, I feel like there's um a, a sense of polish coming out the gate about this Mortal Kombat. Like they're, they're just doing kind of the laps uh, uh, with this trailer of celebrating that people are jazzed about this game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this, while this was a gameplay trailer, y'all, there's a lot of lore, a lot of lore in this one. Mm -hmm. um, we already know that Sub-Zero and Scorpion are now brothers in this, in this, in this uh, uh, reboot. They are both members of the Lin Kuei instead of Scorpion being part of the Shira Ryu. They're not rivals, they're bros. Also, Smoke, Smoke shows up, and he's an adopted brother. So that's a trio of homies who used to all hate each other. And that's like, man, the new world's great. And it sucks that there's still bad guys around. Uh, but it's really great. We still got the robot bros. How, do, how does that make sense with this new world? Because like that's like an evil robot Lin Kuei thing. So like, are they... Are they the good robots now? Like I got the impression, I got the impression that those are only cameos. Like they're part of the they, cameo system. They are, but like I, I assume. Oh yeah, they might not be in the game. That's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. They but, because um, yeah. But, but yeah. to your point, like the technology exists. We're seeing them functional right yeah. now. So like, how how did that come about this yeah. time? Yeah. Kind uh, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's still true. Like they might, yeah, they're still in the game in some capacity. So like they're thinking about robot stuff in some way. Um, the cameos look really good in this trailer. Oh they feature them really well. Uh, it looks so, there's a part where Scorpion uses his get over here on Sub-Zero to pull him backwards. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've never seen that in a fighting game before. That looks incredible. The variety that you're going to have, where you're going to be able to mix and match different combatants together is truly 
so exciting as as someone who loves like experimenting in fighting games like trying to find my favorite the best thing that that works um specifically like we saw so many x-rays where you see two different x-rays happening at the same time so again you're gonna have like double the amount of cool x-rays happening uh and just so much so much ultraviolence it looks so graphic scorpion takes off his mask at the end of this trailer which surprised me because I was like, oh, why can you still do that? I'm so curious. Yeah, is he, yeah, in this new world, are you still part demon? Or is that just a part of you now? Like, that's that's going to be really or, like, is, what did Luke Kang transfer into this new is, world? Is he just is Ghost he, Rider? Is he just Ghost yeah. Rider? Exactly. Does he just have, like, does is that, like, a power set he has? He's not a demon anymore. He's just like, hey, I yeah. control fire. Sub-Zero controls ice. This is how we do things now. Yeah, um, 100%. Sometimes trailer. I'm just a skull. Don't yeah. worry about oh, um, yeah, Rain. Black. Rain is a fan favorite character who hasn't been a playable main character in like 15 years or something. So like, he's the cool water wizard. And I'm like, yo, man, using water as a weapon looks super dope. Like the water physics looks great. Like, it's like oh, yeah. the and physics he, in and general and particles look really good. Yeah. Ed Boon used Rain to say that like we've we're putting in a lot of characters that just haven't been shown in a while. I'm glad, I'm um, glad. And, and like the cameo stuff, like, hey, Kano has been in so many games. Like, he's still here, using, but like, we, we do want to focus on some other stuff. So like, we aren't ignoring the fan favorites, but like, they're just not the focus. And like, that's lovely. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this game. Real quickly, uh, comment section, Ben, if you don't mind. Already on uh, it. Pulling it up. If you want to read it as well. Sure. It's from, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Sean, Seanock. Kale, Kale, uh, to me, it's, it looks like Kale. But anyways, their comment is, you guys are awesome. Thank you. This podcast has gotten me through a lot, and I'm so excited oh. for this Mission Impossible franchise watch through. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. That, that's we really sweet of you. Thank you. Can't fight the friction. I love it. Appreciate that a lot. Yep. Um, uh, but really quick, going yeah. back to Mortal Kombat, this game looks absolutely amazing. That I am ready. I, like, the second, just all this stuff going, like, all that gameplay footage that we did see and all just like like ryan said the ultra violence i'm like let's do this let's go um let's go so like we have so many of the like of the ninjas and then we have like the robots and also frost frost shows up and she's a cool side side like lady too is like a, a sub-zero uh 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 not what's protege what's under protege the, the, the grasshopper the 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 uh, you uh, know the, the intern there's not protege yeah, you know the the intern of Sub Zero, apprentice. apprentice thank apprentice. you. Anyway, she does a cool heel move that turns like her heels into like spikes and kicks someone in the chest, and I'm like, oh baby, that looks so sick. So I'm just I'm I'm very excited for this game. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right, Suicide Squad Isekai. Love it, love it. Yeah, love it. It was just oh, an announcement trailer, just a just an announcement trailer. But I have to say, I like the animation style. Hmm? I really in, like the animation. Yeah, in classic isekai style. What if uh, Harley and the Joker got pulled into a fantasy world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how I don't know how they're gonna die to get to this fantasy world, but it's gonna be hilarious. I knowing knowing what what Japan likes to do, it's gonna it's gonna be a good time. Um, I'm just uh, I love I really love the designs like I really like Harley and Joker's design both I love that it's that it's it's like you're drawn on smile for the Joker but you still you see his mouth it's like not like it's not cut up or anything um like I only watched I didn't watch this full trailer when I first saw it like I only saw like like the first five seconds like when you scroll through Twitter it's like watching and I'm like oh damn that's just like a goblin <laughs> this really is just a Japanese this guy like holy shit um really it really cool that this gets to exist like what the hell is the Joker gonna do with like a bunch of goblins like that's really cool yeah, I really, I really like the idea of it. I really just appreciate 
DC and Warner Brothers willing to go out of America and allow people in other cult in other countries to make things with their IP. Um, that's really and we get stuff like stuff that seems super cool like this and super unique, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. The Nun Two, the Nunning. The nun it's got a good writer. So here's the thing. Yes, I, initially I'd be like whatever, but it's got our gal from Mithrigan and Malignant. So at least the script will be dope. I don't know who the director is. I should have looked that Richard up. It's the same director from Conjuring Three and Curse of Law, Your Honor. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's why Monkey this. Paul. Here's here's why Monkey Paul. Here's why this upsets me because like love Akila Cooper. So happy that she's writing the script for this one. The guy who wrote Conjuring 2 wrote Conjuring 3. And the only difference between Con so the only difference between Conjuring 2 and 3 is the director who is also yeah. directing this and I'm like, I don't know. Why did we give him the keys? <laughs> I don't get it. He's drunk. Um, so I'm going to take his keys. That magazine bit is pretty good though. What? Yeah. Yes. Oh, with the the flickering? Oh, yes. that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of the imagery in this one. I think it looks kind of kind of creepy. It and our girl, our girl uh, Taisa Famiga's back. Tai Tai, love her. Um, I think this is a good. I think this is a good, like a decent, like oh, the nuns back. Like a, this is a good, decent horror trailer. So like, I'm not against it. Ben, you wanted to say something? Uh, I, I had something, but I forgot. Oh, sorry. Um, Ben's okay. been so ready to get back to Valak. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm so, uh, I'm so interested in in this idea because the nun ends with the gardener dude uh getting possessed by vatic and then we're and then we get the the new footage of the the place in the beginning of conjuring one um where we see the warrens exercising vatic so in this that guy is back and did he let loose vatic again is at the end of this movie is he just going to show go back into vatic very curious about that is it vatic or valik i thought it was vatic valik Valic. Vatic. oh it's a d yeah. Oh. oh, it's a D? No, it's Valak. It's V-A-L-E-K. No, it's Vatic. They, they spell it in yeah. Conjuring 2. A D, with a D. Valak. Yeah, it's with the Valak. Really? There's an L. There's definitely, it's backwards, I can't see it. It's Sorry. definitely an L. V-A-L-A-K. It's Valak. I mean, I don't give a shit. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just said Vedic like five times, and I was like, I don't think Whatever. that's Whatever. I could have yeah. I mean, I won't lie. I did get Valak right. and Vecna confused. I thought I was like, I thought that was Vecna. Oh, wait, no. That's Stranger Things Sledge Dungeons & Dragons Critical Role. To Brandon's oh, credit, to Brandon's credit, knowing the name is only like the way they beat the demon in Conjuring 2, so it's not that important. It's been um, years. I understand. I understand. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Like I get it. Um, What's the insidious well, demon? Oh God! Oh hell! But no 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 that that's sinister. You keep doing this. <laughs> Bagul is sinister. You Bagul keep saying that he's sinister. insidious. Um, I don't think they name the demon in insidious. It just has a fan name, which is the lipstick demon. Uh, the the red face demon. Yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, let me see. Let me see. I don't think they gave it a name in universe. Yeah. Balok. Uh, uh, what's, the, what's, what's the movie? Insidious. Insidious. It, just had, it just had a new entry, entry whatever. Uh, does, every time Insidious comes up, Jim Ryan's always like, a bagul, and I'm like, that is sinister. You're never going to remember it. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it's, it's just, it's it's uh, the lipstick face demon, also known as the man with fire on his face, and red face demon. Yeah. Oh, six, six tasks? Six tasks? 
maybe the new new film finally gives him a name. Ooh, I, uh, origin story for Red Face Man. Anyway, um, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. We'll yeah. see. Um, I like having Taisa back. I I I do like that it's about the lock. That's what something I liked about the first The Nun. But like you know, that one was all right. Yeah. The reason why I like the first one is because it's fun. Like I, th- I personally think it's like stupid fun, um, mm-hmm. which is why I'm endeared to it. And this one kind of just looks boring. And I think I think I would like the nun for that too, Brandon. If it yeah. didn't involve what I thought was a very effective and scary demon from The Conjuring Two, sure. and then put it in a like this one's just kind of for fun movie. And I'm like, well, 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 wait. <laughs> uh, they didn't try to make it a for fun movie. They tried to make a good one. Right, I, I, I want the Annabelle creation for Veloc. Sure, that's what I want. Yeah, you know, that's so what I'm I was saying. David F. Sandberg did that. Yeah, that's what I was, I was saying on Twitter. I was like, how did Richard Chavez get this, get the franchise, and not David F. Sandberg? He's done with Shazam. Now he is. Yeah. Yeah. Now maybe maybe he can come back and steal the keys. I also I'll be David honest. Like back. I'll be honest. Like I I'm really glad that Taisa had um the nun and has the nun too and that's cool and everything but like looking at her in this trailer i'm like man they really missed the boat on making a story about the warrens like meeting and falling in love starring her and someone else sure because like yeah. she just looks like the younger version of her sister like she could just play young warren for like a show or a it's film true. about them like their first cases or something like too that. late now yeah, yeah. they goofed mm-hmm well, I think what I'm hearing is we're all very excited for the nun too. So stay tuned for that. Because there's like there's literally a sequence in here where I'm like, this just like if you told me this was a flashback for one of the other conjuring films, I'd be like, of course. Back when she was a nun before she <laughs> Right, became, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So when we went to see the blackening, there's a trailer for the nun too that never was really so A teaser more like a, a teaser for the nun too. And I was so surprised because like it's it's not online. It was never mentioned, it's never been mentioned. It was just there it was. It was like this is wild. Yeah, wild trailer. And then the Nun 2 trailer dropped. Doesn't yeah. happen often. Um, all right. It's been a week. Yeah, I'm, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll return to the Conjuring franchise for one more movie. We'll see what happens. Mm. I like Akila Cooper. Why not? I'll give it a chance. Yeah. You're going to force uh, me to watch this one, aren't you? No. Uh, if it's good. <laughs> all right. I mean, you've watched them all. We did, Except for we Curse did of La Llorona. No, oh, none of us have watched that one, Ben. I have. <laughs> you took the, you took the you took the staff for that one. I okay. hate that movie. <laughs> All right, Brandon, your Curse of La Llorona is my Pinocchio. Robert Zemeckis okay, Pinocchio. That's fair. Um, I don't know, Ben. You also saw Morbius. Oh shit! That's, that's more apt. You the uh, Curse of La Llorona is your is, is my Morbius. I didn't yeah, pay for yeah. it. I watched it with three thousand people on Twitch. Okay. <laughs> there you go. It was a wild day. Um, but yeah, you've done all the you've done I all did. the Conjuring I, films, so why not? You know? Yeah, well, I don't know. Then that wasn't my favorite. Well, obviously, it wasn't my favorite. And all creation was like really wasn't good. anybody's favorite. Yeah. That and Conjuring Two, those are some scary ish. That's Conjuring. Conjuring Two, so good. I don't know. I, I mean, I will say so. We can move on. I will say there are the the magazine one did get me, and the whole. And I might be interested because, the, like, with the first one, like, when you hear, do you see a church? You think, oh, church is safe. Demons can't go to a church. It's holy ground and everything. Um, I kind of like it how even when they go to churches, places that are supposed to be safe and holy, um, demons just walk among them anyway. It's like, screw all y'all. So, 
That's that's I, Malik's I like, whole thing. That's because that, yeah. in the first one, she's in a church also. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just shows up where she's not supposed to. I, I wonder. We see the faceless nuns too. That's kind of cool. I like that imagery. I wonder what I was gonna say. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Tune in next week. I mean, I mean, if you went to Catholic mm-hmm. school and have PTSD from the nuns, don't I probably don't go see this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, we get the we get some lore. She's a fallen angel. Oh. Mm. In this trailer, thought that was interesting. She wants her Got angel it. powers back. Got to mm. make her the biggest badass. Yeah, so that way when she fights the Crooked Man, it's like really epic, you know? Mm, we're we're they're, like not, the Freddy... they're never making that Crooked Man movie. Yeah, it's the Freddy versus Jason of the Conjuring franchise. They're not going to do it. Yo, man, the <laughs> ring lady it. fought the Grudge Boy. So literally anything is possible now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The ring boy fought the Grudge Lady. <laughs> I've, seen the, I've seen the fight. Just the fight. It's really funny. It's really um, funny. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Um, all right. Shall we move into our main topic? So it's time to talk about the final two Mission Impossible films, uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, we've now caught Ben up completely. Uh, we're going to start with Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and then go into Fallout. So full spoilers for both of these movies. If you haven't seen them, you've been warned. Uh, but I'm assuming at this point you've probably seen them. Um, so Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, uh, came out in 2015, and I have no interesting factoids about this movie. So let's go into it. What do we think? I will start I really off. like it. Oh. oh, I really like it. I really like <laughs> it. <laughs> As I was watching this film, about halfway through, I picked up my phone and I sent Brandon a text message. That text message was something along the lines of, how do these movies just keep getting better after the last one? It's true. And yeah. with Rogue Nation, that is true. With Fallout, I will say it's also true. But we're not going to talk about Fallout yet. We'll get there. But yeah, I am also, I, before we started recording, I told Brandon I'm kind of mad at myself for taking this long to watch these. Because this is, I loved Rogue Nation. I had a blast with Rogue Nation. We'll get into it. But yeah, I initial thoughts absolutely adore this movie this is my favorite opening in the franchise which is which also has one of my favorite ethan reveals where he just like where's ethan can we get this can we stop this plane what's going on it's really well cut together with between benji and and uh uh, brand uh and luther and having that three-way cut go back go around i think it's really well cut and then ethan runs over the hills like can you open the door and i was like oh we're back baby we're back baby starting the movie with a big stunt like, damn, Tom, can't even wait an hour. Are you crazy? <laughs> I I really like it. I will admit, I don't know if an opening will ever top the prison opening of, of Ghost Protocol, but yeah, I do it's really like good. it. This is a it's good movie. Good. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah I once, really... Go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, like, now we are now, like, officially, like, in the Macquarie era where, like, he he and Tom are, like, we are the guys behind it, all this stuff. And, like, I talked about uh, last time how, like... um uh, uh, what's the what's the Brad Bird one I already? Uh, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Ghost thank Protocol. you. Like I love the tone, and that is like a like a more kind of like fun spy movie. Uh, and there is a world where it continued that trajectory. And but with Macquarie, there's just something for me that just just clicks with me a little bit more. And not again, like I love those movies. It's just something that I love. That's just a little. It's a little not more like gritty. Maybe it's a little more gritty. I don't know what it is, but it's just something that works really well for me. Where like the addition of Rebecca Ferguson, um, 
Macquarie is so effing good at doing action scenes. Oh my god, dude! Um, uh, the the cinematography, uh, like the the so much practical location, which all these movies do. It's just like for me, like this is like oh shit, dude! Like I, we are here, baby. And then Fallout, like Fallout's my favorite. So like, uh, uh, I just like it's so I love this movie. It's great. I I want to say that one of the things that I think is really incredible about this film, uh, especially because like this is Macquarie's first directed Mission Impossible film. He wrote and directed this one. Um, I really appreciate that essentially this is the same plot as many of the Mission Impossible films where Ethan has to go rogue. Uh, the IMF is disavowed. <clears throat> you know, four disavowed the IMF by when the secretary was killed. We're doing yeah. the same thing kind of here. And the fact that they're able to do it a third, second, third, fourth time, however many times they've done it, and make it and keep making it interesting and keep my investment is actually kind of brilliant. And I'm yeah. surprised that that is so, because I'm not distracted by the fact that like, Oh, I've seen this kind of already. Um, yeah. I'm seeing, I'm seeing new within the familiar, I guess it's really well, really, really, really good balancing act. I think. Yeah. yeah. And um, please, Ben. I will say that, I mean, when I say the opening starts you off quick, I'm not talking about the airplane scene, which I absolutely agree. I was waiting for that, like, because I, I was seeing the trailer with you guys years ago when this came out, like 2015 or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's probably like a huge part of the film. But the fact that the airplane scene is in the beginning is like, okay, cool, tone setter. But what really gets me is how quick the movie hits the ground and it makes you, and it just like bolts you right. It's like you hit the word go after the title sequence, like, especially when Ethan is there and he's getting the whole, um, like his mission briefing and the second it says because we are the syndicate i'm like yeah. oh he's i was thinking he's dreaming he doesn't know what's going on all the stuff is like it has to be because you know mission possible likes to make you think one thing and then like haha they pull the rug out from under you it's like surprise but then when he when you see um solomon shoot the record store clerk i'm like oh shit this is real this so is I, I want to jump in because I was going to say as as to, to what you were saying, uh, Brandon, about how he keeps it fresh. It's what's been it's what Ben is bringing up is that you dive in with Ethan having already been on, you know, the syndicate's tail. And so when you get your mission briefing for the first time ever, it's not from the IMF. You think it is until it isn't. Um, it's the syndicate and they've been preparing for Ethan. And like this feels more like the I've been ready for you, Ethan, um, in a better way than like two mm -hmm. right this is the this is the i know how you work i've figured everything out because i have imf agents in the syndicate uh who have defected and like you're you're cooked like we've got you from beat one um yeah. and that really puts you i think it puts ethan on a back foot in a way i don't think like right from the jump in a way that i don't think any of the previous films had yeah sure um and I want to mention the, the exception of one. Yeah. And I want to, oh, I do want to mention that like, you know, what's really cool about that record sequence. It's just, it's really well shot. This movie's really well shot just in general. Yes. I don't know if you guys know that, um, but he, uh, we, you can see Solomon Lane in the background. He's in the other booth. He's yes. in that entire scene. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you don't know who that is, then that's just some dude. Um, and I thought that that's just, that's such brilliant filmmaking and the reveal that it's the syndicate's message to Ethan and how it does it. Like normally the IMF would say blah, 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 blah. But we are that. Uh, it's such a good reveal and so well done. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that 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 Ben's very right. Like it gets you just right into what's going on in this story. Um, it's just it's just a way we've never had Ethan picked up in a mission before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with maybe kind of the exception of one, but even this is a, is different. Right? It's, it's so much quicker in this um, one too. It's like, it's like the beginning. Well, and it's like and it's it's there's a different drive, which is like the bad guys already have Ethan. Yeah. At the start of the movie, they've captured him. Um, and in the first one, while Ethan does end up on the back foot, it's because IMF suspects him of being a traitor, yeah. which is a different thing. Uh, but here um, you're like, oh shit, Ethan's already caught. Mm-hmm. Like, where are we going from here? And I love that uh, our villain is, again, you, you bring up two, and it's actually a good point, is our villain is a is an ex-British uh, super spy. Uh, and bro, that dude's too, too smart. And what I love about this movie is, and I know I, I caught it, and it's also in follow-up because this is now serialized. Uh, fun fact, Tom Cruise notes the MCU for helping serialize Mission Impossible. Uh, and it is the best thing because, like, I love these movies and what they're doing. with they, This is, like, a better MCU than the MCU at this point, like, just the way it's serialized and shit. But our villain is so awesome and he's so sniveling and, like, you don't... He doesn't seem very threatening uh, physically, but also, like, he does get in the fights and he is a super spy. And I'm like, this dude's awesome. And, like, I his, like, voice alone, like, makes my skin crawl. Um, he's so good at being, like, a, a crazy villain. Uh, uh, I just love it. And I love the idea right. of, like, oh, it's the anti-IMF. I'm like, that's such a sort of silly thing. I love it. I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman was my favorite villain mm-hmm. until I met Solomon Lane. Yes. Now, like, I mean, with this and Fallout, I'm like, no, Solomon's the he's like the best. The one two punch. It's it's it's, for I'll be honest with you, Ben, because like I I don't want to dip too far into Fallout, but it is the one two Mm -hmm. punch. Like if I went just off Rogue Nation, like when we were watching Rogue Nation, I'm like, this doesn't cap Hoffman to me, not in performance. Yeah, like he's definitely getting like as far as like how he's written to be pervasive on Ethan. Like it's definitely a grander threat. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but but hoffman brings that performance he so does. heavily but like it's it is him having the dual performances of of solomon lane that that puts solomon lane a little bit up uh though i though i do notice like just this like really different tactic on the neurosis uh between this and fallout which i'm not saying is a bad thing but yeah. like you know yeah. th- he very much shifts uh, how he's handling the character that's right yeah I don't want to go too far into Rogue Nation, but I will say the scene that just like got me with or one of the scenes that cemented Solomon as one of my I mean, I will not lie, it does go back and forth between Hoffman and Solomon, where they finally catch Solomon, he's in the glass box and he's just constantly shooting in the bulletproof mm-hmm. glass. And just the at that actor, his facial expressions, like the sheer rage and anger that he is expressing, but he's not expressing it in a normal way. Like when like when you see rage, you like you burrow uh, furrowed brows, just like constantly yelling and screaming. But he's just shooting and, and futile shooting, and he's just like, and when the gas fills to him, just like clamoring just to look at Ethan. I I don't know what it was, but just that performance where he's in the gas cloud trying to fight, being sub getting knocked subconscious or trying to get out of consciousness or whatever. That was like, this man has hate. That's a mirror it's, from the beginning of the movie too. Yeah. He's a he's a pretty generic bad guy, to be honest with you. Except that um, what Harris, Sean Harris, right? Yes, uh, does with the performance is sh- create a character who feels like there's no way he can lose. Yeah, and so when he loses, he takes it deeply personal. And this does carry over into Fallout, obviously. Like he's personally vindictive, like uh, after a vendetta. It's against so much him. more personal. But also, yeah. again, the same thing, like. 
end of Fallout. I'm convinced I cannot lose. And it's what's good about what Harris brings to the role is that that, that conviction of I'm obviously in control and how flustered he gets when Ethan has him uh, over a barrel in the last bit because he just could not have possibly anticipated Ethan destroying the disc and memorizing it. Yeah. He just yeah. never in a million years would have thought Ethan would ever go that way. True, sure. Because little did he know that Ethan has developed a new superpower, which is like photographic memory. Yeah. Three-dimensional thinking, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I love... Uh, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying um, about Solomon Lane, but I want to mention Alec Baldwin is in this. He shows up as uh, director Huntley, uh, Huntley from the CIA. Huntley. Huntley. And um, that, I mean, that's kind of a cute cheeky reference to the fact that he was Jack Ryan in the hunt for Red October. Um, so spy, so CIA spy was with IMF spy. This also sets up the kind of CIA versus IMF thing that Bakori plays with in both movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is which I think is kind of interesting that he, he's playing with that idea. But Hunley is the one who gets uh, the IMF taken down, and he go ahead. I was just gonna say, which which importantly, like CIA is not a fan of IMF to begin with. Yeah, and as Hunley references it, ever since they broke into a CIA yeah. uh, place in the very first film to yeah. steal a bunch of names, like I thought that was a really good way to organically be like, yeah, CIA is not a big fan ever since they did that. <laughs> Um, and you know, because like the IMF also, like they can do more than the CIA, like they're, they have the gadgets and the fun stuff, but he's jealous. Um, I think, I think Hunley is actually a really good character that I liked, I liked following in both of these movies. And he has, and he's in one of my favorite scenes in the whole franchise, um, sure. which is the, the, you know, the best line of the whole franchise hunt is the living manifestation of destiny of destiny. And now, and right now you are his target cut to hunts reveal hunt. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> very good. That's such a win and everything. That's such a great moment when because you're like Ethan's in the room. Who is Ethan? Like if you haven't seen the movie, it's like which one of you is Ethan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like what what I realized watching these two this week is um, what Macquarie has managed to do is like these movies should be cheesy. Yeah, they should yeah. be too cheesy, but somehow they just aren't. Uh, and like they're doing all the things that should make them too cheesy, but they they just don't feel cheesy. He's doing it yeah. all like in like it's serious earnestness. Like like it's it's very much like we know what we're doing is ridiculous, but like we can we can like we can have fun with it when we have fun. But like we do take it seriously. But, yeah, and like and, but like even with the like zoom in and the hunt, like it's a funny beat, but it's not a funny beat that breaks the movie. It's it a different type. Like, of it doesn't comedy, break though. the tone of it. Yeah, in a way where like. Some James Bond movies couldn't escape this and felt too cheesy. Yeah. Um, Mission Impossible 2, frankly, in my opinion, couldn't escape it. Uh, But something here, he's able to to inject that kind of feeling without letting the movie feel like it cheapens itself by doing that. And if you look at Renner's performance in that scene also it, it's very kind of over the he's kind of becoming a little over the top it's like you know athlete shot me yes he did sir now the prompt is uh, like he's he's kind of playing up the scene a bit and he's kind of fun in that way but again it doesn't break the movie they're, wa- yeah. they're walking a really fine line with that tone i yeah. i've I noted jeremy renner hater uh, uh i think he's 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 fun i think he i think he's he gets better in each one of these movies you know what i think it is i think it's that mccory knows how to guide the actors 
to center their performances around Cruz because Cruz himself can be cheesy. Yeah. Mm. But because of the way that he orchestrates the film around Cruz, that doesn't feel cheesy. And therefore, when the other actors are meeting that level and working in it organically because he's crafted them to, they also don't feel cheesy. It's yeah. yes. Because they are meeting Tom Cruise on that level. Yeah. This is a this is a movie where one one guy pulls out a flute and turns into a sniper, and then a woman pulls out a gun from a scaffolding and then tom cruise is like who do i shoot <laughs> there's two assassins and there's like, another guy pulling out a submachine gun out of a nightstick yeah. and the scene is the scene is yeah. both hilarious and tense yes yeah, yeah i wanted i wanted to say that you know once again tom cruise proving he's a very good physical actor there's the the scene when he gets blown into the air the airplane right when, uh, in the beginning oh my god oh it what a shot oh and and he does the and like the guy comes down and you just see and you just hear and you just turn around and hunt, and hunts they like uh <laughs> and like he's he does not a word and he's just kind of like eh. just fails. I actually um, love oh, real, well, I was gonna quick. say that, that like real quickly, Ben, just like I just think Cruz like proves once again how physical of an actor he is. That that that's just he because he can be really funny when he For wants sure. to be. Yeah, I wanted to also highlight another scene that I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, that I thought it was funny, but also with like um, Spark said, uh, Christopher McQuarrie knows how to ride the line between cheesy and not cheesy, and still make a like make a really good intense movie. One of the scenes I loved was when they're in Morocco, and then the motorcycles zoom by, and then <laughs> uh, and then uh, um, Brant and Luther in the car, and they're trying to turn around. He's like, "You just had to get the big." The High speed chase. <laughs> High speed chase. You just had to get the four by four, yeah. and they're just bicker. They're bickering, and also, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, was it this more far off where they're in a car, they they drive past each other, and then Benji goes, "Hey, that's, it, that's, that's it. That's this one right yeah, before yeah. what okay. you're talking about. The four by four is where he crashes like, in. There's a moment where they just look and they're like, <laughs> and then they have to go." Because yeah. like Ethan is still out of it because he was just dead five minutes ago. And he's right, just like, right, right, right. he's what looking talking about this movie. This movie is like funny. Some of the fallout's even funnier. Like 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 there there's some really good shit in both these movies. And I'm like, there it's is. not as overtly like ha ha. Uh, uh, but it's like it's all really good. It's like it's yeah. a lot of good physical stuff. Like right, the, like, like physical comedy. The Moroccan sequence is is, is the especially the chase sequence is so funny. And like, oh oh right. I wanted to mention because Ryan brought up Renner. And I actually I'm not really a Jeremy Renner hater. I quite like him. Um, especially when he wants to be a little bit more funny. Um mm -hmm. So here, I think he's great because he's yeah. he's able to play with this with with this version of Brandt, and he's able to kind of play off of Tom Cruise and there and the Luther Brandt dynamic works in a way I didn't know I needed. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I yeah. really I really like them. I like that scene where they meet each other, and Luther's like, "I know Ethan. I don't know you." Yeah, uh, and like his loyalty to Ethan is so strong, but Brandt's like, "Look, I swear to God, I'm on your side. Yeah, I need you to do this." Um, the way that they they get on each on board with each other is really good. Mm -hmm. I, I actually think the movie uses Renner really well. I think it was a really smart decision to take him back to the role we start with where he's assisting the secretary um, and put him back in the position of like kind of trying to manage what's happened to the IMF rather than being, you know, another Ethan Hunt out there. Yeah. 
you know, he's got field skills, but I'm glad they don't try to push him into that mode. Like he could be out there, he could be doing some of the action, but like they don't try to have him be side by side with Ethan. Yeah. Um, they know that he works better for the franchise in this role. Mm-hmm. Sparks. I can neither confirm nor deny without the secretary's permission. It's yeah, very, it, good. It, it really works for him. It yeah. really works for his character to be in this position. And, and I really like it. Um, I think it was a really, really smart choice. One of the other things I absolutely love about this and obviously with Fallout, because like you guys said, Rogue Nation is how the, the Mission Impossible films started becoming more serialized and the events of the past have consequences for the first one. That Senate hearing, when they, like when when uh, um, Huntley, um, Alec Baldwin's character, straight up says, is like, yeah, we're not big fans because, you know, they broke into the CIA to steal stuff. And they mm-hmm. mentioned what happened in Ghost Protocol. They have, they're mentioning stuff in other movies, but even though they're just mentioning stuff in other movies, to me, it, because a lot of those events have consequences, even though they're not major consequences, they're still consequences that the IMF and Ethan have, have to go through in these movies. The fallout. It, well, and like Hunley, Hunley makes a really good case that I think is is accurate, where he's like, to be honest, some of their successes from, from a gathered perspective look a lot like chance and luck. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not wrong. Like they have, Ethan's good, but like, a lot of it has come down to just getting very lucky. His superpower that's, is luck. That's what that's what the second that's what the next film is it plays off really well. It's like this is we've just we hope and we and we got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that I think that's very valid to put it in this perspective of like while while you are rooting for Ethan, you are on Ethan's side. We have followed him. He is our he's our protagonist for the series. Uh, it's not like Hunley's cases here are wrong. No, the IMF, yeah. especially in the hands of Ethan with the way they handle missions, like Hunt just believes very hardly that he will get the codes back in Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's okay that they get the real codes. And Hunley's like, that is effing insane. Yeah. <laughs> you understand that that's crazy? <laughs> a missile uh, clipped a building because of how close you cut it. Like, not confirm nor deny. It's, it's a valid argument. But it doesn't change the fact that it's a thrill to watch Ethan do this. Absolutely, shit. yeah. Mm-hmm. I like. I really. I like seeing Alec Baldwin's kind of trajectory, and and to to what Ben and Sparks was kind of playing off of. And I was kind of saving this this note for Fallout, but McQuarrie has such reverence for the previous entries in this franchise. It feels yeah. like he has been the shepherd of the entire franchise when he hasn't. Um, every every entry has been written by, up until this point, a different person, and so you have him really like tying it all together in such an organic way that makes it feel like one cohesive franchise, even though the first four entries in this are largely standalone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think like it does feel that with rogue nation, Macquarie came in and looked at all the previous mission impossible and said, what works and what doesn't. And I'm yeah. keeping what works and I'm not going to deal with what doesn't. And what works is, is the thing that we're, we're going to focus on and, and keep plugging away with. So like what, what, is great about Ethan, what's great about Luther, what's great about how these characters rely on each other, how these characters connect to each other, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I also have a note related to that that I'll save for Fallout, but but I think Macquarie well, like, really gathered an idea of kind of boiling down formulaically, like, what is the strongest stuff inside of the Mission Impossible franchise, and then how can I uh, uh, take that to the next step? Is this the one where, with the locks where you put it in the door and you see the lock, yes. lock, lock? Oh fuck. yeah! Every at time, the, at the opera. Every time, I love. Oh, it. the opera scene. Um, but actually, one of the things I wanted to t- 
what I like, what I really enjoyed about Mission Impossible one through four was that they were anthology stories in a way. Mm -hmm. As in each one, as Spark said, they're their own story, they're their own thing. You don't, I mean, they might have a quick little mention, but with these two, obviously, they, while it's not a bigger cohesive narrative, they're still more or less standalone. Mm -hmm. It does help watching the other films. Yeah, and it's not like one of those is like, oh, you have to watch all these films to understand what's going on in this film. You don't, but it kind of helps. It helps I mean, because we get a better picture of who Ethan mm -hmm. is as a character. When yeah. we get to rotation and fallout, especially, we, we know what the line Ethan is willing to cross and what he is doing this for, largely. Mm -hmm. And that and so that is the value that Macquarie kind of went to by being like, oh, well, I'm looking at what works. What works is Ethan is pretty consistent. Not mm -hmm. as not no so much in two, so he discounts two. But like you know, he is pretty consistent all throughout, and he builds on on who Ethan is. Has been except the rock climbing. Except the rock climbing does come back. Uh, I think I think the other thing about it is that he zeroes in on letting the world and the characters acknowledge the the history of who Ethan has been and what Ethan has been put through whether that's through Luther or through um this comes out more directly in Fallout but like Solomon Kane uh is pushing an argument to Ethan like you should really just be part of the syndicate too how many times has have they screwed you over yeah and it's yeah. fair like it's a fair argument to bring up at this point it's true um that like the majority of the previous Mission Impossible movies are someone if not the entire IMF Kind of screwing him over. I yeah. bring 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 up Solomon Kane and the Syndicate again. I really like the idea of the Syndicate, where like uh, uh, England was like, we want an IMF, so we're gonna make the Syndicate. Solomon Kane, help Solomon us. Solomon Lane. Sorry. Solomon Lane. I said, I <laughs> not not the uh, 18th uh, century vampire man hunter man. Um, Lane. <laughs> Solomon Lane. Like, hey, we want you, Solomon Lane, to be our Ethan Hunt, and he's a sociopathic man. He's like, all right, this is not gonna work. We're canceling this. Uh, he didn't cancel it. He kept it around. He's like, I'm gonna do my thing all over the world. I hate, I hate, I hate governments and shit. So like, he's gonna kill a bunch of people, and that's great. I think that's great. I think it's even better in Fallout, like the direction it goes in Fallout. Um, but like, I just think he's a really cool villain. I I just like the idea of like, you know, about uh, so many missing or dead agents joining this this rogue nation. Like, again, I hate bringing up Mission, uh, Mission bringing up Metal Gear Solid. Like, that is the entire plot of of Big Boss's thing. Is he is a man who wants a nation for soldiers. Because, like, the military-industrial complex spits out soldiers and kills them. And, like, he wants a place where they can live freely and be mercenaries. He's also a, also a mass murderer, so he's a bad guy. So I'm like, sometimes these people shouldn't have, be in power like Solomon Lane. Not everyone can be an Ethan Hunt. Uh, and I think, like, the show's like, Ethan Hunt is really special. That's a special dude. He has super luck powers. Thank God for that. Um, and uh, kind of speaking to s some of what you're saying with it, um, I think that no, I lost it. Go ahead, Brandon. I'll find it again. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna shout out because I think we kind of, we kind of passed over the opera scene, which I think the sound design in the opera scene is incredible. Um, the way they kind of mute some of the some of the people sound effects and just have the opera music playing, which yes. becomes part of Ilse, Ilse's theme uh, later in the movie, which I really like. Um, I, I love her. Good. I was going to say, I think everything about the opera scene is so well constructed. I think the use of the location, how they compose the shots, where they are throughout like the building, wh where they go, how the they travel. The big man fight. Um, uh, all of that is is really, really excellently um, executed. And it's so, it's so like the antithesis of the uh, theatrical scene you got in Quantum of Solace. 
sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, one of the thing, one of the things that's so interesting about about that scene specifically is it also showcases probably some of my favorite gadgets in the whole franchise, uh, which is the flute gun, the flute rifle, which is oh, yeah. incredible. Um, oh, yeah. The laptop in the book, yes, in the pamphlet oh, for the shit, opera dude. is a laptop. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, some I, of the best um, gadgets are in this one. Yeah, I, and then as, Ryan, look... as Ryan mentioned, the key gadget is my favorite. Also, yeah. is the way they use it. Um, I love Simon Pegg in all those movies that he's in. Mm -hmm. uh, like when Simon Pegg is on his laptop, I was like, join the IMF, see the world from the basement. <laughs> and yeah. Simon Pegg's just an absolute treasure. Um, oh, I, real quick, on Simon Pegg, sorry, real quick. He was playing on his three Dell monitors, Halo 5 Guardians. I and saw they that. wanted you to make sure, did you guys see that I was playing Halo 5 Guardians out yeah. this November? <laughs> and I'm just like, man, sometimes marketing is really funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of Benji, what I think makes Rogue Nation so special and work is while we have our team um luther and renner are separate for a lot of the film and trying to be supportive and find ethan but they are separated from him mm -hmm. and benji also is for a time but catches up and so you get a lot of benji and ethan time and them mm -hmm. in the field just the two of them which feels really nice and then of course yeah. ilsa getting on top of that but like just putting those two on their own benji feels really good thought he's going to the opera my guy oh. poor guy I, benji has a has a moment where he where ethan's like you need to go i'm sorry i wrapped you into this here's what you say and he, he has this moment to stand up like no i'm your friend i'm going to do this uh right. i'm going to do this i really like ethan's like okay we're yeah. doing this yeah. You're right. I, I am a field agent now. Regardless, yeah. regardless of what I might say on the the polygraph, uh, you are my friend. Yes. yes. Good liar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say he had me believe him. I was like, you don't really think that, do you, Benji? But you have there's to cover. The, yeah, because there's a blip at the end, like the yeah. last. The, there's a little blip, and you're like, oh, Benji. Yeah. Yeah, Benji. Yeah. Um, the scene I really want to talk about. Then when I was watching it, it, to me, it was like, this is one of the most beautifully shot chase scenes I've ever seen in my entire life was the motorcycle chase scene through Morocco. Oh, yeah, dude. for sure. That scene was so well shot. It, I would, because there are times like, I'm not like that stereotypical guy that whenever you see a car chase, I'm like, oh, yeah, car chase. I mean, car chases are cool, but you see one, you've seen a whole lot of them. Yes. This one, I was on the edge of my seat. I was 100% engaged. I was like my heart was racing when they're bobbing and weaving throughout when the when the syndicate goons are shooting or they're or when ethan like gets some to trick into getting hit by other cars the whole thing with ilsa when she steps out in front and i'm just like the whole time sitting there going they had to have hired moto gp racers for those for those stunts because that is some crazy shit uh um, yes but also like there you can watch some behind the scenes shit of tom cruise doing that shit too he's, oh, yeah, he yeah. is a truly <laughs> an insane person yeah no no yeah so, I, and he can he can hold his breath for six minutes because of this movie that's so that's that's the thing is like uh, that motorcycle chase scene is gorgeous i think that the the dive into changing the memory card uh scene and that cutting between that and benji about to walk through and you know what will happen if it can't read him so tense dude. is is oh, the man. most tense scene that they've created since the first one um sure. i think it i think it truly truly captures the same kind of like a modern new version of what the first one was trying to do in a way that none of the previous mission impossibles to be fair didn't really attempt to do yeah i don't think anybody tried to recreate or outdo the first one um and this one i feel like brought us back to that tense uh uh heist oh no here we go 
uh, and you know, like while we're hearing the sound of the water, otherwise it's silent. Yeah. Uh, scene. And and again, we have a beautiful moment after where Ethan almost dies, and we get great comedy of Benji like Benji's like that was so easy. I was like barely an inconvenience as Ethan is literally dying in front of him. Like oh right, I wasn't they, doing the hard part. Well, and they do a good job of letting you know who Ilsa is, right? Even as she will she will screw them over in the next beat. Yeah. Um, she saves Ethan. And like, you know, from her saving Ethan, like, okay, Ilsa's not the bad guy. Y'all, yeah. um, there Ilsa, may be stuff going on, but she yeah. is not the bad guy. Ilsa Faust is the, be- Ferguson. is the best thing to happen to this franchise in such a long time. She's so good. Cause like, cause we've gotten like new characters here and there, but like she, she, she is just such a talent and such a, such a force. Uh, also just love her in Dune. She's just incredible. And she's a vampire lady in, in uh, uh, the Doctor Sleep movie. She's great. So, Real quickly, don't I want to go back to the uh, tank sequence, um, especially after it because uh, Ryan mentioned we get we get a really good scene after after that, and we get a really good scene with Benji, um, mm-hmm. which is really interesting, which is really good because we when we're setting up that high sequence, and I got I want to talk a little bit about the heist, which uh, Benji is like, oh, so we need to hold your breath for three minutes. You can do that, and Ethan, and it's like, oh, you need to hold your breath for two minutes, three minutes, and Ethan's like. Uh, I guess so. Like he's like, yeah, why yeah. are you telling me I can do this? Volunteering him for it. Like Ethan can do anything, and Ethan's yeah. like, uh huh. Um, <laughs> I think that's very good. I also noted uh, because we watch these so close to each other now, um, and I'm very curious if Dead Reckoning will continue this trend. When Macquarie gets behind the wheel, we always get one imagined how it'll go sequence. Oh yeah, which is we get the one where we think Benji has put on the mask and what he's doing, but they're actually imagining how it'll go. So Benji still doesn't get to put on a mask in this movie that's true um uh and but then like in in fallout we'll get it again when ethan's imagining what he'll have to do to get lane out to kill all the cops uh, and we come back and i and i find it interesting we don't get that a lot the imagined how it'll go sequences imagine dragons one of the things that i find so interesting about high sequences um is the setup because on paper if you were to be like Hey, okay, so we can use that. Actually, you can't use that because it's it's da 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 da. Okay, we'll do that. Well, you can't do that because da 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 da. It's like you're making things up as you're going along, but because you've got like cool heist music and it's well it's well shot, you're like, okay, so we can't use the hash because okay, and you're setting up all these problems, it because you have to pay them off later. Yeah, uh, you have to pay 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 off all these problems that are going to go 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 on. So it creates this like really interesting tension and just like I think Macquarie gets like the what's the word I'm looking for, which is the, um, the, uh, of a, uh, the, the, oh boy. Um, skeleton of a high sequence. Skeleton is not the right word, but like, um, foundation. Yeah. I guess we're kind of in the same ballpark with foundation. Um, yeah, the, he kind of gets the, gets the, uh, gets the foundation of what a high sequence needs to be. Um, and, and, and that's just really, really fun to see. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, Macquarie. Uh, these are like all the Mission Impossible movies are are you know complicated to some degree. It's a little spy shit. The thing that I that I super appreciate. Oh, about, oh it was DNA. Oh, the DNA of a high sequence. There you go, DNA. Um, what I really love about Macquarie is that he is he. Both of these two movies are almost overly complicated with the amount of times that like Solomon Kane is three steps. Solomon Kane, God damn it. I Solomon Lane. No, it's okay. Solomon Lane is three steps ahead. He, that's, he, that's what he thinks. What you want to do is what he thinks we got to do. There's a lot of that stuff, like trying to be three steps ahead. And like in other movies, that's really annoying. 
And I've watched shows or TV shows where like your villain is so smart. He's always three steps ahead. But like in these movies, like it all always makes sense to me and I feel it. It never feels like, like a stretch. Uh, 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 I, I just think like the overcomplicated nature of these types of movies. Like I think they just, they, they flow really easily in these two movies. Cause like they can be really confusing about whose side you on Elsa switches sides every five minutes. But I think the trajectory is very easy to, to line up for every character for both mm-hmm. movies. I want to yeah. second what Ryan is saying because I also agree that when there's like, oh, you have to think three steps ahead. This guy's so smart; he knows where your every move. It's like he has ESP or something. In other in other franchises and other films and television shows, that can be annoying. It's like, for crying out loud, no, they're not. But this one, even well, but Mission Impossible, especially Mission Impossible, I'm like, I love all the movies in it for this one. You have to think all that step ahead, but even when you, as an audience member, think you know what's going on, and then they do the famous mask reveal, every single time, in this one, and especially in Fallout, we'll get to there, I am just like, oh! Like, when they when the mask comes off, like, when, um, when, when the major plan is revealed, I'm just like, oh! Yeah, I think the, I think what's really interesting, what's really good about how the mission films just in general are written um we get because ethan's such a strong character um he it gets to play a really obsessive version of himself here that gets played up for us to believe that maybe renner would second guessing the plan that they're going to come up with um and he has this moment because he's like you know lane's already thought of all this because he, and he sounds like a madman yeah but he's right and that's what makes Lane so scary is because no one believes Ethan that this person could be this bad. Yeah. Yeah. I love Except Ilsa. Yeah. I love Except Ilsa. And I love, and I forget the, um, the, like the, 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 the Ilsa's uh, British guy, like the evil guy who, Atley. Atley. Yeah, thank Atley. you. Yeah. Like when he shows up, I'm like, no, oh, this guy, I can tell he's bad news already. Um, and I love that. Like, <laughs> I love that the phone is under the newspaper and she put the thing on there. And like, that's a very specific, like you, that's very specific that had to happen. And I'm like, that's just spy shit. That's so fun that like, he knew that was going to happen or whatever. Like, I think all that stuff is really fun. And you have to go with the flow of like coincidental type stuff. Like what if she didn't put it directly on top of the newspaper? Like would, would those files have been deleted? Like, I don't really care. It's just fun. Like, I just like, it's just a go with the flow fun. I think you're absolutely correct when you say that Rebecca Ferguson is one of the best things to happen to this franchise. She, she's incredible. Um, her scenes with Ethan are great. There's one moment in in Casablanca, Morocco, whatever, when he and she are talking about what this heist is going to be, like setting up like this is the list of all the people that Lane ha- has in his service, and this is and Lane sent me to get it. Benji is talking in this scene, but Elsa and Ethan never take their eyes off each other when they're even when they're talking to Benji. Um, I thought that's such an interesting character choice to just say, just see that kind of level of trust that they've already built yeah. uh, in, su- in such a little time. It's it's I don't know that it's that Ethan has ever like he's definitely met other cool super spies, but like to meet someone that that obviously he's attracted to but like someone that's on his level that like understands the world that he lives in uh that's not that's I, not someone like his wife like i think that's like just like not something that you get to experience in life very often so i think there's just an immediate like you're you are almost like belong in my life type of feeling i think i think what it is 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 with her introduction ethan knows the same thing he knows is true about himself which is that Ilsa is a person who is doing this job because she cares about saving millions. Yes. 
but she also won't do it at the cost of a good person. Yes. And and Ethan is also that person because it's the choice she makes about coming close to blowing her cover to save him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that yeah. is like I, this is what I would have done. Yeah. Uh and and I think that's what ultimately endears him to her. They're similar, yeah. Is is that she has that same compassion that Ethan has. Yeah. Um sick ass scene also where he's just like screw it and hooks himself mm-hmm. up over oh, the pipe. God, yeah, like the salmon oh, lighter yeah. kind of yeah, thing yeah. from Arrow almost. Yeah. Yeah, I I really love I really like her. I'm glad she's carried over this long. Same. Um oh the well, I do want to focus a little bit more on the um getting the prime minister scene because I just think that that sequence is so prime minister Cutler Beckett. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that, I think that that's such an excellent scene because uh, like I said before, like, you know, that Ethan is in the room somewhere, you know, he's one of these people. You just don't know who yeah. Alec Baldwin kind of realizing who Ethan Hunt is in the moment of being like, uh, there is no person he cannot become. There is no, there is no uh, thing that he cannot do. He's the greatest person in the whole world. He's the living manifestation of destiny, and he has made you his mission. Um, mm. it, one of the greatest lines in cinema history. And you're like, okay, well, you're not Ethan. And yeah. but then Atlee shooting the prime minister, revealing yeah, yeah. Ethan. You're like, baby, yes. The yeah. the way yes. the way and the the uh, again, like it's very funny. But Hunley's hunt delivery lands so well because. Hunley has been talking about Hunt this way, and then they are finally brought face to face this in this scene. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it just it works so well. By the way, shout outs to uh, the lead into that scene. If you look in the car lot before they head inside, there is an Aston Martin, very particular one, parked oh. out front, uh, which is cute and cheeky and fun. Sure, it is because Spectre filmed in the same location. Oh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. That's cute. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, the six months bit where it's like. Mark your uh, set your watch, Brand. Ethan is living his last day as a free man. Six months later. Six months later. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) And also, Uh, like the whole takeaway that they think he's in Cuba, and then he turns out he's in Paris the whole time, and it's just like. (laughs) And I really like the the like the syndicate reveal. Once again, going back to that greatest scene ever, um, where he's like, uh, where they're like uh, something called the syndicate, and the prime minister's like Atlee. Tell me they're not talking about that syndicate. Yeah. Do you mean our syndicate? Right. Yeah. And he's got uh, that. that and he's got this, this moment. I think that's such a good reveal. Yeah. Yes. And then and then Hunley being like, the syndicate is real. Yeah. <laughs> um, the myth. I think that's really good. I really like. Um, I really can't stress enough that I think Peg plays with Cruz so well. Yeah. I think he has in the previous films, but like, they're just in a groove. Uh, that that I think they were in a groove last time, but like it, they play so well together. Clearly, Cruz has a good time, or he wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah, with Peg uh, in all the movies, constantly having him be the voice in his ear, and the also, way that they banter to each other. Yeah, making him a field agent was such a good idea because there yes. was a world where he was just like another like Luther goes in a field too, but just like he Benji is just the tech guy. And he's just like the Flash, the like from the Flash, like oh, I'm just sitting at the computer all day. So they like, have done a good job of diversifying this sense of like. They are both tech guys, but their tech's expertises are different. Yeah, he's like, and, yeah, yeah. And like one can do the field work more than the other. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, there's the, and we get like Luther once again being one of the best characters in the franchise. Uh, there's a line, there's a bit when, when uh, Ilsa and Ethan are, they're sitting, they're sitting together in the mall area 
and Ilsa mm-hmm. presents him with all the options and then presents him with, or we can just leave. And you hear uh, Ilsa's theme play a little bit and then you hear, hear Luther go, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because he's like, oh shit, this could work. Yes. It's a similar feeling to the end of the Batman with Batman and Catwoman. We're like, we can get out of here. And I'm like, Bruce, say yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and Luther knows that like, oh shit, Ethan could say yes. Hell yeah. Um, and, and like he and like that's a really that's I really like the how that scene is shot by the way like how we get the other people in the in the ear and then like when when else is like you knew the disc was blank and, and and we hear Benji first say no 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 that was an exact copy but we every camera angle center not centers but like we can see either Luther Brandt or Benji at every camera yes. level uh, until we can't see Benji. Yeah, uh, when he's captured, I think it's, I think that's just such a cool framing device. Yeah, and Corey's a goat. He's the goat. Um, okay. Uh, oh, there's a sequence. Sorry, I really like this movie, so I wrote down just some things I really liked, which is when they're running through the streets of Paris. Nope, that's Paris? Fallout. Who, where, where are they run? Whatever. Uh, be- before they get laid into the box, there's the Ilsa and Ethan are running through the streets, and they kill two people in a car in front of them and then both jump over the car yes and i was just like that's sexy as hell yeah 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 yeah. i remember that yeah, yeah. because the because the setup for that was earlier after ethan comes back uh from from the and he, he crawls over the thing oh yeah after like, his heart stops and he and he and he gets ju- juice backed up and he's like i'm totally fine and starts running and stumbles yeah, yeah. I, I love so much benji being like well you were just dead five minutes ago what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, I really like that sequence. Ben, ben mentioned the 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 motorcycle chase being really great. It's the car chase for me, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because of the drift into the two motorcycles and then hitting the dude with the other car, which oh, is yeah. so good. That is good. It rips. I love that sequence because it's just such a cool like drift motion. I like that movie. Um. Some things I highlighted are, uh, I think this was an example of just the humor still being good is like when they come down the on the rope from the opera and the, the thing was loose and then it falls behind them. But what I really like is that Ethan just wound his tie very quickly around his hand and used it so he mm-hmm. could get down that rope. I thought that was slick. Yeah. yeah. Um, a great scene between Ilsa and Lane uh, where um, she says, are you questioning my loyalty or my ability? Both. And, and, and then he was like, can't decide. Yeah. Can't decide. Uh, I thought that was really good. It's a strong Lane setup scene. Um, yeah. I really, really love Benji insisting to Ethan that he is his friend. Uh, like once he knows what's going on, he's like, I'm staying That's the end of what we're talking about that. And like, Ethan's like, Okay. Got it. <laughs> Got it. All right. She's why he gets so upset. I am an FBI. The scene, the scene at the end in the diner in the, the restaurant when Benji is talking as uh, Lane yeah. is a is a really tense and good scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very good. It's I really like good. the I really like at the end of it when the, when they're going to take Ethan and he's like, if they come any closer, shoot me. And Ilsa yeah. just immediately like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's she gets the exact same thing he's doing. It's like this is how we put Lane completely off. It's also fun that he he literally says, "I'm going to put you in a box," and he really does. He yeah, really yeah. Does. <laughs> I love it. Uh, 
Benji Benji in the car when when Cruz is chasing the the motorcycles for the first chunk uh and just like scared out of his wits just stare yeah. stare 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 oh there's a lot of bumpy yeah. oh yeah yeah I like the I like the bit when when they're backing up when they're backing up really fast they're like you have your seatbelt on you're asking me now yeah 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 uh when the and car flips over, yeah when the car flips over uh it, which is a great action beat and then it sits there for a bit and then Benji like <laughs> what happened <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a good movie, guys. It's true, every word. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Anything else? No, I uh, uh, I can't fight the friction on this one. Can't wait, wait one. I think I think the score is pretty good in this one, but yeah. I do, I do think I still prefer Ghost Protocols over this one. Yes, for just music. Yeah. Uh, I it's hard to top Giacchino being jazzy. I agree. Yeah. I agree for this movie. Yes, I I. Outside of Ilsa's theme, being coming back and be using the opera riff, um, that I, I agree with that. I, I it's, like that. It's a good, it's a good score. Yeah. There's, it, it's not a bad score by any means. Um, I just, I really like what G. Kino did with the previous one. Oh yeah. Um, uh, well, Ryan, I really love you... the, the scenario that they set up for Baldwin with Atlee. Just, just highlighting that. I think the way that they talk him into it is like, and this is what you did. Yes, exactly. And he's like, I'm, I'm very grateful. <laughs> um, it's, it's a really good, it's a really good way. And like the, the turnaround at the end on how Hunley becomes the secretary is, I think, yeah, an excellent like beat and end to the story in this. He movie. tried to take him down, then he joined them. That's what the IMF um, does, baby. Yeah. And just a last shout out for the actor who played the Bone Doctor. I think he's just a, one of the best henchmen we've oh, had. Oh yeah, the Bone Doctor. Yeah, yeah, I, saw I think I think yeah, like yeah. just like every time you see him, like you're pissed off. Yeah. And I think he's just one of the best henchmen that we've had for one of these guys. Yeah. In the movies, there's, there's a great line where he talks, where, where Ethan in, in the in the restaurant sequence at the end says, um, uh, "You'll have to use the Bone Doctor to get this out of me." Um, yeah, yeah. Where I was like, "Oh yeah, baby, this is good." Bone Doctor, what a reputation. Um. Okay. Shall we? So rate it. So 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 Ryan, because you said some final thoughts first. Why don't you rate it? I will give it. God, these are all good movies, man. I'll give this a nine out of ten. This is a great, 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 great movie. Uh, Sparks. Yeah, really solid entry. I think it's really fun. Um, I I think like. It just it just misses, uh, the mark of perfection for me. It, it's just a little below. I think um. Lane, I I like the performance of Lane more than I like the actual characterization, like like the character motivation mm-hmm. of Lane, um, and and that's the one of the big things that like holds back for me. But otherwise, I think it's really really solid. I give it the same rating I gave Gross Ghost Protocol. It's a nine. It's a Gross Protocol. Do you know what rating I gave Ghost Protocol? Not off the top of my head, no. Well, whatever that rating is, let's say it's nine. It's nine. I'm sure. Whatever. I'm sure it was something point five. <laughs> Uh, let's just say it's nine now. So yeah, I'm a, I'm I'm a nine as well. This is a great movie. Yeah, nines nines across the board. This movie was great. Can't fight the nines. Um, okay, so then let's move into Mission Impossible Fallout, aka Mission Impossible Six. Um, once again, this came out in 2018. Once again, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. He is the first director to return to the franchise, nice. and. My interesting factoid about this movie is that he didn't want to. He thought it was very important that every Mission Impossible film was directed by a different person. Um, yeah. He felt that was the 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 the, the joy of these films uh, is the different creative voices. But 
And Sean Harris, by the way, was supposed to die at the end of this movie. That was in his mm. contract. Sean Harris did not want to do a franchise. He didn't even want to do this movie. They convinced him by saying, you can die at the end of Rogue Nation. <laughs> but the, the way McCory told it on the Empire podcast mm. is that he he had this idea that Lane that uh, Ethan needs to break Lane out of prison for some reason. He hasn't he hadn't quite gotten the whole thing, but he had that idea, and he went to he went to Tom Cruise. And according to McCory, Tom Cruise turned around before McCory could even say anything and said, "I got to break Lane out of prison in the next movie." <laughs> so then they had to convince Sean Harris to return to not die at the end of Rogue Nation. I refuse. <laughs> um, but like he said, but like like he said, he, he thought it was very important. So that idea convinced him to stay on as director but he hired a whole new crew in order to make it feel like it was a different movie than rotation that's, that's cool that's fun um so what do we think of this one this is my favorite i love this movie i i personally i think this is almost like a perfect action movie like and the fact that it's two and a half hours long and like for me it's like a breeze um i think it has the best action i think it has the best like cinematography i think like i think the villains are uh are one oh great one two combo I think like Tom Cruise just like continues to impress me with everything he does. Like he's just, he is so committed as a performer. Like that dude just like wants to entertain us so badly. Um, and I love it. I think it's, I think this is a phenomenal action movie. Uh, Sparks. Um, just excuse me real quick. Uh, just copy. <laughs> paste. <laughs> love it. I didn't know that. That's great. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, this is not my favorite in the franchise. It, surprising me surprising even me is still ghost protocol um but this is a great movie once again another excellent mission possible film i don't think from three onward there is a bad one and i can't and i can't imagine that dead reckoning breaks that trend um so yeah i i i love this one i think this one's awesome look this if two weren't there this would be a a all all good franchise yeah yeah Um, all bangers yeah (laughs) i all even good. I, All good. even yeah. hey, even I think too is better than than the the most of the reputation it has. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Sure, uh, Ben, what do you think about Fallout? First time watching Fallout. How do these movies keep getting better than the last one? It is not fair. I don't want to say this is my favorite. I actually feel I, I mean now obviously we haven't seen Dead Reckoning, but I feel like Rogue Nation and Fallout are really good back to back films. They, they really are. are. They pair they, very nicely together. I mean, I want, I don't know if this is a cop out, but like Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout—they're my top three. Yeah, I love these movies. I had—I mean, Ghost Protocol was like it was a great time, but with Rogue Nation and the start of Fallout, where you get the dream sequence where he's getting married, like the second the Paramount logo disappears, and you see—sorry, I'm just gonna dive right in. I hope that's okay. Um. The second you see Ethan and Julia, the fact that they brought um, Julia back, I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. That what's going on here? And right. Because you, you think the, it's a, because you're kind of clocked into it being a dream sequence with Julia being there. And you're like, yeah, oh, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is when they got married. And then yeah, it's yeah. Lane. And you're like, but what the but we've watched God. the film recently enough. We know that's not when they got married. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because they, they got, got married. So you know, you, if you remember, you know, this is not how this went. You declare these and then once Lane starts saying all like to lie to her to live your double life and all this stuff, and then he goes, "What?" And then of course when it goes to Solomon, because I had no idea, because I mean I thought they just got to put the, it was 
up to up to Rogue Nation, it was standard bad guy either dies or gets thrown in jail. That's that's what happens. And then when the it cuts to Solomon and it's like, you should have killed me when he had the chance. I was like, oh, so they what happened? Yeah. Yeah, they all so I was like, oh, okay, so he's being haunted by the, the events of the last film. All right, cool. But then when Solomon gets back into the fold, I'm like, oh yeah don't go too don't go too far i won't go too far uh, but this movie was great so the first time i watched this the first time i watched this i didn't realize that this was the same character that solomon lane was the same character because his beard it was incredible and it just completely changes his face and the lack of glasses and he he functionally changes the performance which is fine like the character can be affected by what's happened to him yeah i don't think it's like such a huge departure from the first film that's a problem or from the previous film that's a problem but it but it is a different performance let's be honest like it doesn't have the same like eye twitching he's he's, (laughs) kind of energy that he had yeah he's like he's less offensive and more defensive in this movie Yeah. yeah 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 um yeah i i really uh, uh the opening has a new has once again a mission uh uh your mission should you choose to accept it where we have the introduction of the apostles mm-hmm. and so the opening of this movie also kind of is a thesis statement on just ethan in general which i really like i like that Macquarie is really interested in who ethan is when when he is presented with the option to save the uranium or save luther to him, that's not an option. It's save both. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. if I have to save anyone, it's Luther. Yeah. Um, and I so I really I really like that kind of conflict that he has, which which Hunley rightfully says it's his it's his greatest strength. Uh, before you get too far down that, because I do have things to say about that, I did want to highlight like the Apostle stuff. What I think is so great about doing the Apostles, doing the still fall out of the syndicate, like getting Lane did not mean the syndicate was done. Yeah. Um, is it, it again like not to be too mean to to bond but like it feels like a better execution on specter oh 100 mm. you know oh, yeah. like on the idea of here they all are and they are all individuals with goals and things and they work inside this organization but they are they are all dangerous um and so you kind of have to be concerned about the ones that are still out there like it's not just over because lane went away right uh we get the introduction or the, the named introduction of john lark um which would which we know who who that becomes um but yeah i really like how they set up ethan in this film being this idea that he's not a person who will trade lives ever right um especially of his friends he will not like to him as henley says to him all lives are equal essentially right i didn't mean to say that and um to but, to your to your point that being like Again, Macquarie having looked at all of the films, I'm like, what is a through line of Ethan? This is who Ethan is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is who Ethan has been since Mission Impossible 1. We made a mention of it when we were talking about the review there that like very quickly we see that Ethan is unwilling to give up on the lives of others. Like he that that's the whole thing. Like, why does John Voight is John Voight able to pull the trick on him in that movie? It's because he leaves his position because he's unwilling to sacrifice people on the team yeah. for the mission. Um, and that's who he's been from the beginning. Uh, and I think they do a good job of bringing that here, but it's also something I want to highlight about why I love Ving Rhames in these movies so much and why I love Luther is because Luther has also consistently been a person who said, Ethan, I'm never worth more than the world. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically him. He's he gets, like, he Ethan, gets the mission. He is always like the, the, the general population being saved. 
that's the most important thing 100 and he's been like that voice of like ethan you have to be the person to save the world regardless of what happens to me mm -hmm. he's done that time and time again so i really like that it's put directly in front of us at the beginning of this movie of it's it's luther and luther saying don't do it for me ethan not yeah. for me and and what I, and this relationship that we now have with hunley who who has now joined the imf solely because of ethan hunt because of how much he believes in this dude yeah he's like ethan you really messed up by allowing that plutonium to get away but i know you're such a good person that you're gonna fix it all i'm i'm not i'm not really worried because even though you caused the problem i know you'll fix it because if not right, then and the that's <laughs> and that's what he that's what that's what he's confused about the cia director the new cia director who's um angela bassett Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. I don't know her name. I'm gonna look her character. Um, and she, she Erica Sloan. She come, Sloan. Uh, she comes in and she's like, uh, "We don't trust you that you're going to do this." And and Alec Baldwin's like, "Hey, look, I was there too, but you know what? I was wrong, and you're wrong too. Let's let's let this dude do it, do his thing." I've been in your situation. I see how you see it, but trust me, like this is actually on purpose. They're they're getting yeah. Which I think this is one of. Oh yeah, I guess I haven't seen a lot a lot of his performances i really like henry cavill in this one um he's very he's very good. i honestly like i also haven't seen him besides like his early like hellraiser 7 like it's his dc stuff and like and man and from witcher. uncle and witcher uh, and i think he's actually he is good I, I really like him in this movie he's really good in he's so uncle. good at being like the big macho american assassin uh who also is our is our bad guy what what i think is so <laughs> yeah. good about cavill's character in this film is that he feels like he never feels like he's they do such a good job of not making him feel like he's the same as Ethan. He's yeah. a threat. He's dangerous. He's good at what he does. He's not the same as Ethan. Ethan though. is a is a is a is a, uh, a scalpel, and he's like a hammer. Right. Yeah. Like like Lark Lark is good at at the killing. Yeah. And but he's not res as resourceful as Ethan. No. And like I never feel like they 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 try to even them out in a way. I feel like it's always that Lark is constantly put out of spot because he can't anticipate what Ethan will do. Yeah. And I feel like that's consistent and well-written that like Lark can be good at getting up close and personal and, fi and and finishing the job. Yeah. But he can't predict Ethan and he can't, he just can't, he's not that kind of guy. He's yeah. not resourceful enough to do it. He's not able to utilize his environment the same way Ethan is. He's just not that sharp. He's not sharp enough not to get caught yeah uh like that's just that's what it comes down to and and i think that's really really good another incredible incredible thing yeah yeah um the the the, the whole henry cavill of it all i mean i by the way uh quick quick little thing when i was watching this movie um i was watching with, with zara and she said um when she saw henry cavill she's like oh mustache gate yep <laughs> i was like damn i can't believe you remember that I honestly, uh, when I finally saw this movie, I was like, ah, oh, that's right. The mustache looks good. And it's looks very good. It does look and good. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love yeah. it. I love it. Worth, worth every, mean. every disaster. This mustache is the reason Warner Brothers has fallen. This this mustache has, <laughs> has been the cause of Warner Brothers downfall. Indeed. No, <laughs> because it's Warner Brothers downfall of greenlighting a Justice League movie. I know. Before BBS. I just want to, I just want to say a mustache is the no, problem. No, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, since we're highlighting Cavill, I, I do think like Cavill, Cavill works for me in such a way of feeling like um, he, he feels so real, like a real person inside of this agency, like a real 
double agent, a real, like, I don't have all the information to uh, outcraft Ethan at every turn. Like, I, I've got my knowledge and skill set, and that should be enough to carry me through. No, shit, it's not. Yeah. Um, and, and like, that, that really makes him feel, in a way, stronger as a character, because he feels... He feels just as fallible for the same kinds of reasons as Ethan. He feels yeah. just as human, yeah. um, which is something I don't think they've nailed with villains in the past. Uh, again, like I, I, I said, like the idea uh, from the previous one was a better execution on like the idea of Mission Impossible Two, like being able to know everything Ethan would do. But this character in particular, Lark, is the better execution of the villain from Mission Impossible Two. Yeah, he might not do mm -hmm. the exact same job as yeah, Ethan, yeah. but like he's in the same. Uh, circle of of work and he feels like a real person who's limited by his skill set in the same way that Ethan is at times. Yeah. I really appreciate that he's the one to deliver because he you know he wants to suspect he wants to see I to suspect uh, Hunt as being John Lark and he says to 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 Angela Bass's character Sloan um you know how many times has Ethan been disavowed been betrayed by his government and to <clears throat> Someone who doesn't know Ethan, yeah, that does sound bad. But to us, the audience, Ethan would never do that. That's not who Ethan is. Um, also, what what I love about rewatching this is that you can clock when you know it. You can clock he's John Locke from this scene because the way he is so intense about delivering the speech, he's like, think about how many times he's been disavowed, this and this. How many times until a man has said he's had enough? Well, and like you're talking about another guy. Why are you so angry? Well, bro? and not not only that, but that McQuarrie does such a good job of framing the moment when Ethan pulls the phone out of who he thinks is John Lark's pocket, so that we see that it's smashed. It's smashed. And Ethan can't use it, and then yep. we focus on Cavill specifically saying, "This is the phone we got off John Lark," and you know that's not the phone, which yep. means you know he. Mm. You don't necessarily know for sure he's John Lark, but you know he's full of shit. You know he's messing <laughs> thumbs up now. Yeah, uh, love it. The bathroom fight is incredible. Obviously, man, like, them, it's one of the best action hours. scenes in the franchise. Right here. I think this, I think this has the best physical fight, and it has the best chase. I think, I think the stuff happening with with uh, Ethan escaping and with Elsa, uh, Elsa, Ilsa, uh, like Tom Cruise, like getting hit, like getting hit in on a motorcycle, yeah. uh, all that shit, like the truck and stuff, like all that shit is is incredible, dude. It looks so good. Uh, it's like it looks, it all looks so real. Like they are really, this is like, I, I, I enjoyed Indiana Jones, but like half the time that looked like, I know it wasn't real. Like this is some real ass practical there, shooting. A lot, a lot of the chase stuff that's done in this movie is actually done on the streets of Paris. And you can tell, Yeah, and mm -hmm. it looks really, really good. It looks really, really, really good. Go ahead, Ben. When they're driving around the Arc de Triomphe and I'm just like, how the hell? Did they get one of the busiest roundabouts in the entire planet so yeah. they can shoot this movie? Donna How did they do it? How well, John, do Wick it? Four, John Wick 4 is is green screen yeah. uh, for the Arc de Triomphe. Uh -huh. But um, I, I think, I, I don't know if necessarily going around is actually there, but the lead in and lead out, mm -hmm. that is real. Yeah, I'd have to look into if the actual going around the Arc de Triomphe is, is yeah. real or not. I, either way, the fit that you're right the action scenes in this film look absolutely incredible um i was like i love the motorcycle chasing in morocco but i will agree that the the chase scenes in this one are also just you're on the edge of your seat the whole time like the like the second when ethan slams the the gas to knock the armored car into the water and starts the whole chase all the way to them awkwardly opening the garage door to see that random police officer writing a yeah. ticket. 
I mean, I love, I love, I love the moment with that police officer because she, uh, because Ethan is very clearly like, leave. Just walk away. Well, and like, and like, you know, you know, without knowing that Walker's a bad guy, right? He does know Walker will shoot her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. just from knowing Walker's profile, that's the kind of thing. It's like, and it's again, kind of of going to the Mission Impossible 2 thing again. Like, you know, Ethan had an idea of the bad guy. Like, Ethan has an idea of who Walker is. Yeah. And how Mm -hmm. he'll function. And he knows. You know, like his, his, I think his fear genuinely in that moment is it's both what the cop will do in that moment, like if she'll pull a gun or something, but it's like, and what she'll do with it. But it is a concern that Walker is going to shoot her. And he's yeah. like, I really need you to just go. Again, this goes back to like, I won't, I won't trade lives. Um, yeah, right. And when, when she is shot, he retaliates to the people who shot her and then makes sure that she's okay before yes. leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's like a for real. He's a superhero, like for real. Yeah. Like he's 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 such a good person. Yeah. Uh, now, before we get too too far into this, we do have to talk about one of the most important things in this movie and one of the best scenes, frankly, which is that Benji finally wears a mask. Yes, uh, and it's Wolf Blitzer. Oh my, dude, that Wolf scene. I forgot that entire like I forgot all that. I'm like, man, they really I remember. Got- <laughs> I remember sitting in the theater and it's like nuclear attacks that have hit, and because Ethan Tom Cruise is selling the performance for Ethan yeah. that this has happened and pissed him off because yeah. he feels like he failed and that there were three nuclear attacks around the world. And I'm like, Oh shit. Mission impossible has changed. Yeah. Forever. I, yeah. That effing scene. There are two scenes in this film that got me so good. This is the first one because the whole time when that dude wakes up in the hospital bed after Ethan gets loses the plutonium and you see him wake up and you hear the situation room theme, or whatever, <laughs> and I'm just saying, oh, this is why it's called Fallout. And it, it's, this such, is... it's so interesting. It's so interesting because how of how it's framed, right? Because the Wolf Blitzer sequence, we, we don't focus on Wolf Blitzer like he's a main character. We focus on it like he's background noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's such a so, so brilliant to frame that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really love that. Um, between this and Rogue Nation, like Macquarie's really run a gamut on like the mass technology, the fact that it couldn't be used in the previous one, because frankly, that place built security so good to anticipate that that technology. Exists. Oh, the facial. Tics. And so you have to like know the walk and everything. Yeah. In the gate. And then you get to this one. And the, a lot of the goal is like hoping to copy John Lark's face and they can't. Um, but the wolf blitzer thing works and it works because it's kind of like it, when it is revealed, it's like a fun gag. Yeah. And those always land with the mask bits. And then when you come back around, uh, for the mask again in this film, it's you're not ready for it because you feel like you've gotten your mask gag. Yeah, and yeah. Like, it's it's such a good built into reveal moment, but not too big if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, just the way that like every director I think since uh th- since two has been good at measuring like how do we use the mask? Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. where do we use it and why? And they're all different. Yeah. And yeah. they they all find their own ways or to or to not use it to the credit of four. Um, and I think McQuarrie finally personally pulling his trigger on how I'm going to use masks in this one is done very effectively. Yep. There's a similar moment to four in this one when they can't get the mask, uh, the, the face uh, after John Lark, when they're like, okay, we'll just go in and hope they haven't met. And, and Walker is like, oh, you mean hope? And Elsa's like, yeah, it must be new. But like, that's the same thing. Like, we just have to hope they've never met each other. We did that in mm-hmm. four. Let's see it. Let's see if it works again. Oh, right. Vanessa Kirby's also in this movie. Oh my god. So, so many as, wonderful people. As something I didn't catch, Max's daughter. Max. Max from the first movie? The older lady who helps Ethan get the te- oh. get the get the money on the train? 
Definitely did not catch. No, I, I no. yeah, I definitely didn't catch that. Okay, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's because awesome. I, I remember that she, I remember that she was related to someone from the first movie, uh, because McCory was talking about it, and then this time when I was watching it because I've watched them all in, su- in such quick succession, uh, and she's like, "Let's talk about my mother." Max was such an interesting, and Ethan has a look like, "Oh, Max." That's right. And I, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's really cool." That makes sense why she's in, she's connected to the world in some way. Sure, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I did not catch that when I first saw it. Now that you said it, I was like, oh, shit. I oh, remember cool. now. And, and I'm very happy that she and her brother are returning for Dead Reckoning. Hell yeah. Her, uh, her French, annoying French brother. Yeah, yeah. She's, so, she's so good. I love Vanessa Kirby. I think she's excellent. I just, um, so having her in this franchise is really fun. I especially love her, like, being kind of into... Being a bad boy. The idea of whoever she thinks Ethan is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's uh, also like doing the double agent thing because she's actually working with CIA and like mm-hmm. she's just like, oh, you're a bunch of murderers. This all seems very well, fun. And I love her getting on board with Ethan's like, you know, are, are are they here to kill me? Are they here to kill you? Yeah. Either way, right now, I'm your best shot out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, I want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great knife great. fight. Great knife fight in that like bunch of dudes attacking. Good great stuff. Uh we we uh just going back to um talking about like the guy they have that they trick on the bed in the hospital and all that um uh his i get a little confused and i really tried to pay attention in this film about whose ideology it's supposed to be it's lark's uh right and like it's it, it, the weird thing is that like i really like henry cavill in this movie i really like the performance of him in this movie i never get the idea that i can connect the dots on that manifesto to who he is sure it presented in this film i'm like these things don't feel like they completely one-to-one line up it feels more like it should be the manifesto of the other guy who's in the hospital bed like he the way the characters are presented i know that they say it's larks and so i'm i'm i was ready for that and i'm like man i just don't totally see this guy who wrote a manifesto in henry cavill sure sparks i'm just saying ripped people can also type on a typewriter that's not what I mean. Can you imagine? That's not like, what I mean. <laughs> and my fingers are so big. This is a big dude. Just like I, I can do feel this. you. I get that. Um, like definitely that the doctor's like you know this is Lark's manifesto. And if you read it to the world, that's enough. And then like to counteract that, like when it is revealed that Lark's like you know when when I wrote those words, we really don't go more into that than just like yeah. he hates the government. So like it is this kind of thing like he is just like a, a better version that's, of the mi2 villain that's kind of the thing is that yeah. i didn't i didn't need him to like have a scene with ethan where he like expounds on why this is his belief system yeah, yeah. but i do think you had an opportunity for him to say it to lane yeah that's true and like i just i just feel like i could have used a little bit of that like oomph of like you are saying like there's a villain in here who has like an ideology because we have broken down that like what lane was after was like breaking the system and he wanted money to do so in the previous film and now he's just about revenge yes and he's just kind of like attached himself onto what lark wants to do and he's like well that's a perfect way for me to go about doing this yeah he definitely seems lane definitely seems like more unhinged and like by the end of the movie he's just ready to to die with the bomb he's like my mission's complete i'm gonna the world's gonna suck after this you can't stop me you can't stop it yeah damn it they stopped me again damn it (laughs) um the 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 second mask reveal that we've alluded to a little bit uh with when it's revealed that benji is actually lane it's it's so good because you don't see when the switch happened no, um right and and when when and alec baldwin is like uh you know when he kisses like i'd give you a loaded gun but this one's loaded though yeah yeah <laughs> i said another gun i'm like dude you, you're, he's oh, like you i got doing, the guy you were doing so well up until then. that might be <laughs> that that lane one might be my favorite mask reveal too well, it, it, it also happens again in fallout like, the thing like, is man. the thing is that it's a good reveal 
Um, it's a good, it's a good play. I think uh, Harris does a good job of like when when it starts to break of playing Benji, being Benji. Yeah, like yeah. when when Benji loses Smirking. confidence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I think he captures it. Um, again, like it showcases Lark really well. Like Lark is confident and hot headed, and so like it take he takes too long to Catch think it. of what Ethan would do. Yeah. Um, and I think that really plays for the character. It's really a solid beat, and it also is like my favorite bit of Baldwin in the entire film. Good acting, sir. Yeah, um, I would. He 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 gets killed with a with a, by a stab in the chest, and I'm just saying, if this was the Star Wars universe, it wouldn't even be a scratch. Yeah, there was real quick because I'm about to say something. They like when that happened, the Sparks and I were like, "So did he die? They didn't, you know, they didn't show his body." And then Angela Bassett's like, <coughs> "And and Agent Huntley, who always believed in you, speaking in the past tense, nah, he's dead. He died." <laughs> <coughs> I was going to say that second mass reveal had me just like bewildered like because you, like you don't see the switch you don't see that was what i was talking about how these master like the mask reveals in this in fallout are my favorite ones because mm -hmm. they completely subvert your expectations you're constantly like who's who you're like second guessing everything and i love it like yeah. this i mean obviously everything just goes like tits up for the everyone else but the fact that, like, for a small second, like when when uh, Henry Cavill is essentially talking to Lark, is like, to not to Lark, um, to Lane, and saying, like, I wrote this disc, I need this plutonium, I need X, Y, and Z, and then the fact that he gets got, but then has our own his own trump card because he had members of Syndicate in that strike team, mm -hmm. it's like, I know this is a win for the character for the for the heroes, but I know something really shitty is about to oh, go down right now. The, yeah, 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 the go moment when he's when they think they have Lark and he and he oh. says go. Uh, Do you? Which is, parallels the the moment the, <clears throat> the first mask reveal with Benji and Wolf as Wolf Blitzer when he says go, and then they you know because that that's in it. I don't know. It's a nice parallel. I like it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's, the, 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 oh, we got him. Yeah. Oh, do you? And again, <laughs> this is like, this is one of those things where like, this movie, when you look at it, it's like really complicated. Like we just have like a reveal and then upon another reveal and like, but it all just, it flows so naturally. Like, I'm never confused. Like it all, I think, it's, just, it's just really well crafted. And I think, I think the good thing that these films do, especially this one, but in general, is that they never, while they will have other characters doubt Ethan, they never let you think that. Yes. And like, it's, yeah. it's not just because you follow him. It's because you always see the flaw. Even if you don't get all the information, you see the flaw and why they think that. Yeah. Yeah. So that you are never put in the position where you are doubting Ethan. And I think that's where it would get too confusing. Yeah. Um, if you had to like in that scene, like question, like, Oh God, has Ethan lost his mind? Mm -hmm. Has he made up the syndicate? Has he, you, you never have to be in that position. Yeah. And I think that's really smart because that's where it gets too muddled when you have to like doubt, you have to, you have them grounding you. Yeah. I love, I love our final, our final confrontation in the location that it's at bringing Julia in like the <clears throat> ultimate revenge. Like the second that Julia sees, sees Ethan, like, Oh man, what he was here for. Oh man, he was here on vacation. Yeah. No, I'm working. No, I'm working. And, and like that being the clue in for her, like, oh, shit. Like the I'm so sorry when they when they speak for yeah. a slight second. I, I I really like bringing back Julia because again, it like it talks a bit, bit about what I talked about like Rogue, Rogue Nation. Macquarie like really likes this franchise and really likes playing with the pieces that have already been set up in this franchise. And so when Julia shows up at the end of this movie, and Ethan, they have a moment where Ethan's like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. I'm so uh, sorry. Uh, to be honest with you, and I, and it's because of the use of Julia in this film that made me like retroactively think about it. But 
credit where credit's due, as much as I have to say it for RSI and Kurtzman on Mission Impossible 3, the smartest thing that was done in the franchise at that point was make Ethan fall in love and get married. Because it changed the character going forward to not fall into Mission Impossible 2's I'm a playboy in every yes, movie. Yeah, James Bond. Yeah. So, so we dodged getting a repeat of James Bond and therefore made Ethan feel like a more sincere compassionate character Wife because guy. you can't you can't have him be the compassionate person they want us to believe he is if he's constantly just like passing from woman to woman in every movie very true and i think they like swerved out of the way of the bullet that mission impossible 2 was possibly heading them towards yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. uh by making that choice and i think that was very smart to do at that moment because even if julia wasn't directly referenced in every single film um or or they weren't together in all the films the idea that that is who ethan was at heart has lingered ever since and has informed on who he is ever since mm -hmm. and is coming up again with Ilsa. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I love her in this movie and, um, you know, kind of spoiling my rankings. One of the reasons why this film is higher for me than four is mostly because of Ving Rhames, because this film, I think, accentuates that Ving Rhames is, is like, he's like the voice to Ethan's heart yeah, yeah. in the movies. And so when he's absent for a lot of the movie, I I do feel it. Yeah. And having him here, it's one of my favorite scenes. Him and Julia? Is, is him, uh, hit, that's a good one, but oh, him okay. and Ilsa. Oh, yeah. When he's sitting there and he's saying, oh, in the, the time I've known him, Ethan has only been serious about two women. Yeah, yeah. And he gets teared up when he's like, and the way he cares about you, I'm afraid for him, Ilsa. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really great. Yeah. I think like, the way Luther cares about Ethan is what helps convince me about who Ethan is. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really, I really like that, that sequence. Ilsa's introduction in this film is so she's been tasked by MI6 to kill Lane as a, as a test. Um, yeah. And Proof her loyalty. I really like when, when Lane and Ethan are, are driving through the, through the streets, just the two of them in the, in the road. And after they see Ilsa, Lane has the line, that was Ilsa. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he doesn't know what's going on. And he's just like, this is, what have you done, Ethan? Yeah. Uh, uh, Ilsa and, and Ethan have a great, like, little moment, like, in between, like, uh, they're in, like, an orchard. The garden. The garden. And it's just, like, beautifully shot because it's all, you know, like, the, the symmetrical trees. And it's just like, they have such good chemistry. And again, these are two incredible actors. And it's like, they're saying so much without <clears> saying anything. <throat> all you have to say is, like, don't get in my way because I will go through you. And, well, like, and they want to so see much so much more. So much of the beginning is Ilsa is not talking. Yeah. Ethan is 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 gleaning what's going on by what he already knows about Ilsa, MI6, and and kind of what the situation is. So he he yeah. puts it together without he, her even saying a word. Yeah. How how do you know that? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good stuff from Ethan. Again, like specifically citing the garden scene, like that is that is really using Paris very well. I think like yeah. both for action and for scenes like that, the locations in Paris yeah. are very well utilized in this film. I, I think this is one of the most gorgeous of the films because of how well it uses its locations, whether we're talking about like the finale with the helicopters, which is beautiful. Cashmere. That's it. Or, or Paris or what have you. I think like the locations look incredible in this yeah. movie in a way that like just stand out even above all the previous mission impossibles 100% even that, red nation the helicopter chase scene i was like i was like hooting hollering cheering for nate <laughs> for nathan for ethan to get up to um henry cavill's to to walker oh man i really it, it, i really like i really real quickly ben because like the the 
the best part about that helicopter sequence for me is always I always love it when they remind us that Ethan's crazy. Um, because then there'll be because he's like, what are they? What are we gonna do? Play Rock'em Sock'em robots with the with the helicopters? And yes, that's exactly what Ethan's going to do. He is going to ram them. Um, first, he's gonna try to drop some cargo on him and miss. And but as soon as that doesn't work, he's cover. as soon as that doesn't work, he's going for him. And like I love the 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 trying to get him off the tail because Ethan does it not matter what Ethan, that Ethan is also in a helicopter that will crash. He will crash into them. Also, Ethan doesn't know how to fly a helicopter. <laughs> He's, yeah. But he's so, he's just super spy. He's like, all right, got to check the altitude, check the this, got to go up. We're and good. again, I again, I love that crazy son of a bitch just being like fallible because he's like, all right, payload. And like, yeah. takes it up above, <laughs> tries to drop it, misses. Oh. And he's like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> they even has a great line. like, hold this for me. Yeah, yeah, hold this. For me, and then he's like, another that was another mission accomplished yeah. moment. Just like hold this for me, Missed ah guy. shit, that much. Yeah, there's uh, there's a there's so really this movie is just really well shot in general. But one of my favorite shots of the movie is when they lock the camera in the back of the of the the truck that Lane is in as it's tumbling into the water, and you and so you don't see the the car turning, you see the water turning. Inception, yes, it's the Inception mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks really really good. It's a great looking yeah. shot. This really is like one of the the best looking big blockbusters I've ever seen. Like uh, for real. Uh, we we highlighted it in Rogue Nation a little bit, but the 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 imaginary sequence for this one where Ethan imagines uh, going with them and and like trying to hang to the back, not kill that many oh, yeah, good I mean, people, yeah. police in his mind, good people, innocent people, yeah, uh, and then still ending up having to shoot a cop in the face to sell it, and he's like, I can't, I can't accept this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't new, do new it plan, that way. new plan. I like Walker's little character beat where he's, is it true that Lane did this? Is it true that Lane did this? Is yeah, it yeah. true that Lane did? You're like, dude. Yeah. No, everything, like dude, everything, everything you heard is true. If he's it makes like, your skin oh, crawl, it's a yes. Oh, son of a bitch. You're the guy that caught him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good reveal because nobody would know. And he's like, oh, you're the guy that caught him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's uh, also the running chase uh, where Ethan is running after Walker. Yes. Uh, incredible tom oh. cruise running once again yeah the like like i'm jumping from a window oh sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. i was in oh, 2d I, sorry left i i'm sorry i had the screen flipped oh i was in 2d oh goodness the lady <laughs> that like just like gives him like and then, like, yeah, and then the lady who's like yeah go for it jumping on the bottom of the elevator and and cavill just staring down at him yeah really yeah. good really good he's uh, like the... dude like what are you doing <laughs> There, there's when 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 he's when he's in the the office building and then they the and then he he's like left right left okay uh and he sees the girl the girl gets up out of the chair and he's like thanks and he like throws the the chair through the window but no, the like, best no, but the best bit is what Ryan highlighted which is the the older lady just going like well you're gonna jump <laughs> yeah wait right turns it around sorry sorry i mean left like you're still going out a window man like even earlier when he was out a window (laughs) or even earlier when he was like going up the stairs and and benji's why is he running in circles (laughs) exactly (laughs) you can see this is a bloody bloody movie man yeah uh there's a lot of comedy that comes from from benji i and i i appreciate that benji's kind of like this the 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 comedy um the comedic the comedic relief of a lot of these Mm -hmm. films but also he gets like really good moments he's you know what? Blanket, blanket blanket statement. All these characters are really well are really well written. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think Simon Pegg gets a lot of the verbal jokes, but there's a lot of like physical physical comedy, comedy that goes on. Like uh, to to the credit of of Luther, like Benji being like, "Why do I have to pretend to be lame?" And Luther's just saying, "They're like skinny, man. I physically cannot be yeah. this man. Technology he, is not there yet." So Benji gets to do two masks. Uh, gets to be a mask twice in this film, which and mm-hmm. you know well done payoff from the entire franchise where he's just like, I think it's wear a mask. So many masks. Look at that. Yeah. Um, man, we get a, just a wonderful, obviously like we talked about the helicopter chase, but a final, uh, fun confrontation with a, with a, uh, not a two face Henry Cavill, but a third face Henry Cavill. Uh, and the, the way that he punches in this movie, I just, he's just like, hoo, hoo, hoo. like, it feels like if he punched me, like my, I would, I would explode. Yeah. Like, like a <laughs> yeah. fist of the North Star, I would literally explode. Yeah. Cavill, Cavill feels <laughs> big, bulky and strong. He's waving them Superman arms around. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I really, really like the way that the two, when, before like Lark is revealed to be, you know, what he is, just Walker and Cruz in general, when they encounter each other, uh, the way that they they banter about each other's way of doing things and job and business. And mm-hmm. and then, of course, we didn't talk about, but the jump, you know, out of the plane into Paris. Oh, yeah. Just an incredible over. scene. Uh, you know, like, uh, you what, are you afraid of lightning? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Unconscious. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah. So he gets struck by lightning and Ethan has to save him and he gives him his oxygen tank. But then he wakes up and when he lands, he's like, oh, it looks like you lost your oxygen tank. I'm like, oh, my God, the balls on this man. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know he passed out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the, the Halo sequence is, is incredible. I love the transition from uh, uh, Letterbox to IMAX. Yes, uh, which is so good because because they they shot they shot the two kind of big stunt action sequences in IMAX, um, and and the transition to go into the Halo jump was really awesome. Yeah, the Thank first you. the first time they do it for the Halo jump and the helicopter chase, yeah. they 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 like bring the aspect ratio purposefully open, and then uh, it you lose a little bit of that effect in the helicopter one when you have to keep cutting back and forth. It does, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. um, but it looks but it still looks gorgeous. So like on my TV, who gives a shit? It's huge. It's true. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I did want to also highlight just speaking of transitions there's some really nice ones in here that are like through smoke or ilsa walks off her hair her hair carries the scene into the next bit a lot of really smooth flowing transitions in this one Mm -hmm. uh that Um, i think look really good we talked a little bit about julia already but um i really love that she goes to help luther yeah oh yeah love it how can i help character moment gets there Mm -hmm. and just Um, and just like the way the way that they play with each other and then and then luther at the end like you know, you don't you don't deserve to be here and, and like go be with your husband. There's nothing more you can do. Yeah. Paul. What's yeah. the husband's name? The Paul. actor. Wes Bentley. West Bentley. West Bentley. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the actor. Dr. Paul. Seems like a good guy. Oh, I wonder yeah. if he won't be in the next one. Oh my god. See, I made the joke that this was his villain origin story. <laughs> yeah. See <laughs> around. Doc. Doc. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he knows. Like, Doc yeah, he knows. Now. The second he's like, yeah, your friend over there showed up with half the Indian army. See you around, Doc. I, uh, I love, I love, like, we've had a couple of Mission Impossible movies where, like, it ends with, like, one to two seconds left. And I love that this one, it doesn't end with, like, three, two, one, and then, like, it cuts to white. And yeah. it's like, I mean, I know we didn't just, like, blow up half the world or whatever, but, like, <laughs> Like what happened? Well, and, and then, it's like it's like well, it's like it's like it's cheeky, especially coming down on the sun, yeah, to make it look like there was an explosion, yes. and then like bringing it back the in. The beautiful you're like, no, they did it. vista that you see, and Tom mm. like he spits out the thing that he had to bite. Like, how close were we? 
how close we're always how what does he say like we're too close the usual, like, the usual. As usual. yeah um love it the uh when ilsa does come back into the scene and and uh ethan hits her with the you know you shouldn't even be here and she's like and you should have come with me oh uh, which, she is wants really, so which is really good i, I really like that yeah oh, um, and i'll fight the friction i wanted to say i wanted to say real quickly on the on the fade to white kind of sequence the at the end when they say i really appreciate that that they can't talk to each other they can't talk to ethan he's out of range and i really appreciate that they're like i guess i guess just on one we go and if we're and if we're right uh hopefully we just gotta trust ethan we just gotta trust ethan um it's what what other choice do you have first they're like all right we're gonna do it on two why are we gonna do it on two do you really want to be that close like we're about to die you we all have to agree yeah it's yeah I, i really i really love the 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 tense the the tenseness of it the tension of of the whole sequence and the the absolute faith in Ethan Hunt that these people have like he he'll yeah. do it he'll do it we'll, we'll we'll win we will win um the the bunker scene uh, where Hunley does catch up to the team and you get like a lot of expositional reveals I think it's still delivered very well that like what what even is the plan it's like well Benji's gonna be Lane oh yeah uh, and then he has to explain to everyone that Ilsa's on the scene because not everyone knows that Ilsa's on the scene trying to kill Lane which he now knows and then we get the explanation that the White Widow was part of a trap working with the CIA and all yep. that I think that's all done very very well Baldwin's like really really good in this but i mean it's a shame they killed him yeah it is i liked having a secretary we could reference to yeah yeah me too Ooh, i wonder if we're gonna do a new celebrity uh secretary for the next movie i wonder if it's kittredge oh he comes back around i don't know because he's in he's in dead reckoning would he be the secretary now i don't think you could become a secretary 20 years after you've been the secretary (coughs) well he wasn't the secretary before he was just the director of imf oh oh that's fair that's fair so he could have gotten a promotion and now he hates the IMF. Or yeah, he could be or, a bad guy. Why was the director of IMF working in the CIA? Which one? Uh, him, Kittredge. Kittredge wasn't CIA. He was IMF. He was IMF. No, I know. I'm saying, why was he in the CIA building? Oh, he's because he's in the building when they're stealing the list. Yeah, because this, the 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 IMF has in in that in in that first movie, like in the show, the IMF is supposed to be a division of the CIA. Right. Yeah, I, I thought that was the case, right? Like they're operating out of the CIA. Yeah, and now yeah. we're supposed to believe that they've been extracted. Yeah, they've been they, they have their own the office space now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um yeah, it, uh, um no, I don't know. Uh yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say about this film actually. I no, I've I've fought the friction enough. I think it's great. I'm, I'm just scrolling through some of my notes. Like, yeah. like it's it's highlighting Michelle Monaghan being excellent. I'm so glad that she got to have this like comeback and closure with Ethan's story. A I good send I think it's really, really good. I think it makes a lot of sense and it keeps a lot of, it retains a lot of the heart and humanity yeah. of who Ethan's been since she showed up. And I love that like Ethan, like you feel, you see the guilt that he has. Like, and he starts crying like, Julia, I'm so sorry. And it's like, Ethan, nothing happened because you were here. Yeah. Like, like, re- like, like, I, I, this is my life, but I know I'm safe because of you. So, like, I actually I don't have to worry because I know you're always there to protect me, even if we're not together for ten years at this point. Like, it's that's, kind of that's, that's beautiful, dude. It's a really yeah. interesting way to frame Ethan because she, um, she's like, the world is safer because you're in it, and I know that because I know you're in it, I will feel safe forever. And I really like that kind of character beat and framing of Ethan because Ethan is is this lunatic who will just do whatever it takes to save the world. 
Oh, yeah. um, and and it, he's he is the goodest man in the whole world. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's crazy um, man. He's the goodest crazy man, and you're just like, yeah, I, I believe it. Like people will people will never know what he does for them, but they yeah. are safer because he's there. Oh, it, it's crazy to think like how far Lane went to hurt Ethan. Lane set up an entire like humanitarian effort thing in in Kashmir to get Julia there. That's like that is some like that is some like eighth level thinking. Like holy shit, that's yeah. a lot of work to get like the doctors on, uh, without borders involved in that shit. Yeah. Like man, Lane, you are sadistic. That's a villain, dude. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to highlight the <clears throat> action beats for uh, Ilsa and um, Benji in fighting uh, Lane uh, in the cabin. Yeah, I think that yeah. that's a really great action scene. Uh, the two of them teaming up against him. It feels really, really down and dirty. And, and Benji and, holding his own for a little bit, but then no, he's, you're not quite and, the spy. And and desperate and like, you know, like Lane's got the bits, like when he's getting yeah. the peg on the, on the rope and he's got like one where he like kicks down the rope to pull Benji straight to the floor. Oh, that hurt. There's a lot of really good, good beats in there. And I really like their cooperation together. And it, and it gives Ilsa an opportunity again to like be a badass. Hell yeah. Which mm-hmm. is really I like cool. that. I like that Benji can hold his own, right? He's not the spy that Ethan is, but he's, not afraid to get into that fight for what's right. Right. Um, he's not the. He also can't. He can't match the the head of the syndicate. No. <laughs> no. No. But what I do love about Benji is that actually a lot of the the members on the team, or even like throughout the movies, is that they're never like the stereotypical person. Like Luther, the yeah, Luther and Benji, they're both big tech guys, but. Benji wants to go out in the field. Normally, whenever a tech person goes into the field, the agent, like the seasoned agent, is like, "Oh, you tech guys, you're always going to slow me down. You're lame yeah. and whatever." <laughs> you know, they can't hold themselves in the fight. Seeing Benji's character go from the dude in, in the computer chair to "I'm in the field, I'm kicking ass," getting my ass kicked sometimes, but he's still out there kicking ass and taking names. And mm-hmm. Luther also being out there fighting the good fight as well. It. I don't know why, but I just really enjoy that because you always see, like, a lot of times in media, you see computers being computer nerds. They're stuck behind a computer. They're, like, doing the whole typing thing. Whereas in this one, it's like, yeah, their technical um, prowess helps, and they're there still ready to fight. They, it's not it's not like, oh, I don't like violence. I, don't ha- I can't fight. It's more like, damn it. And then they put their stuff down, and they're ready to go. <clears throat> For sure. Um also, we gotta highlight that that absolute badass beat of the the hook to the face that pulls Ooh. Cavill to his fiery oh, demise. Yeah. I didn't remember because yeah. I, I remember like I remember the cliff stuff, and I know he falls off, but like maybe, you hear it. Maybe he survives. No chunk. You no. hear that? You hear that thing land That's in, in the that skull, skull and pull him to <laughs> his death. Essentially, the hell the helicopter or the the remains of the helicopter was get over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. The the whole the whole uh, rock climbing sequence is so tense because you're like J- J- I've seen the movie before and I'm like get get up there Ethan get up there climb faster the 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 make of any again movies that like I rewatch and like you can still make me feel just as intense and like and feel tense like even though I know the outcome it's just really good filmmaking right um and like. McCory just has just a grasp on what this franchise like what he thinks it should be and it's working so i'm so glad i'm getting at least two more of these movies guaranteed yeah mccory has such an interesting way of looking at this franchise where he he looks at it as an organic being um mm-hmm. i don't know how much you got any of you guys have heard him talking probably ryan has has quite a bit but he i do recommend real quick like 
McCory does like epic, like six hour spoiler casts on every Mission Impossible movie with with the Empire podcast. Like I super recommend you guys listening to it. He goes into every detail. It is so fascinating. He will talk about he will talk a lot about like, you know, we wrote it into the script, but Mission has its own has a mind of own. So if it's not working, it will tell you. And he has this whole idea that like what a Mission Impossible film needs to be, the film will tell you what it is. Um, yeah. you have, and you have to be willing to follow what the film wants to tell you. Right. Uh, I find that such an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, it feels like for a, for a franchise that is quite complicated, it really feels like kind of like go with the flow in terms of making the story. Um, and you build out as you go instead of like, oh, we have an endpoint in mind. Uh, and that's just like, I think makes for really engaging engaging Again, material. It goes back to like Solomon Lane was supposed to was supposed to die at the end of the film. The, the impossible films didn't want it to didn't want that to happen so you you'd be willing to follow what yeah. the story wants what this what this what, what the white story is going to be and the film will tell you what that is yeah uh i do want to highlight i think one of the most important lines we've had in the franchise is from from bassett at the end which is uh we need people like you to care about the one life as much as they care about the millions. So I never have to. Yeah. Cause I'm soulless. <laughs> Which is so, but it's also so definitional of Ethan. It's ever, you know, like it's highlighting that, that like Ethan does both. Yeah. Um, it's on either or like, you know, it's, it's Ethan does both. Yeah. Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's really good. I will say that like, there's something about the ending that does feel like it kind of rushes us out of there. Sure. Something about like the overlay of Angela Bassett's narration while we're getting like the sum up of the team looking at each other and like, yeah, we did it. And yeah, then yeah. it's like credits. And I'm like, oh, all right, I guess That's we're true. done. Yeah. It's just a little abrupt, but like the movie's oh, great. We so. haven't talked about it for this movie. I think the music in this movie is incredible. Yes. The, I think the music is is uh, it's just I think it's I think it's the same composer as the last movie. I didn't look it up. I could uh, be wrong. Uh, I got you. Whether it is or not, I think this is a substantial upgrade from the last movie. Like whoever this composer is is obviously not a Giacchino as well, but this movie has so much variation in, in types of Mission Impossible themes, and the doodle little 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 loo is throughout the entire movie. Elsa's theme throughout the entire movie. I think like next to Giacchino, like this is the best. This is the best score for this movie. I think or for this, this franchise. Lauren Balf, I believe, is his name. Uh, um, yeah, um, and it was Joe Kramer on okay. Nation, so okay. it's a different one. Okay, this um, one is. I, I, this is my my second favorite. Well, next, you'll be uh, happy to know he's composing Dead Reckoning. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think Fallout has a very good score. It's it's a Ghost Protocol and and this one I think have the best scores of the yeah. franchise yeah. for sure. It's for real. The it's the piano that do 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 little little And I was like, oh, that's so spy like. I, love I think it. I think one of the reasons besides Giacchino just being like a known name and a genius, uh, like you know just a standout with his his jazz orchestrations, why Ghost Protocol, uh, is so impressive to me is because you had him in three and then you heard him like. Unleashed. step up on four yes. and and like uh, but that doesn't change the fact that i think the score here is is really really excellent yeah. really excellent after re-watching these films and kind of knowing the trajectory of why this happened i'm really upset that <laughs> the bond films decided to go the way of the born films and not the way of the mission impossible films yeah because i think I i'm so kind of sad that like Born changed the spy genre so so distinctly that it became indistinguishable to action films. But Mission Impossible was able to walk that line so successfully for so many years through the Born uh, phase of filmmaking and continues to be its own identity uh, in the spy genre with gadgets and with fun and with high stakes and with great action. Like I I, I hope for the next Bond franchise that they take cues from Mission. 
Yeah, I think that I think that's very likely to happen too, right? Like you'll yeah. probably get something that's some kind of blend between like what John Wick has brought to action films and this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. because like these are definitional of this moment in film. Yeah. You know, and like Just, it depends it depends on how soon we get our next bond, right? But like Daniel Craig's era suffers from a decision to to go uh, you know, gritty and to go towards what you're describing, like the born stuff. And like, it can't, even when it decided it wanted to, it couldn't quite escape that identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and like, I just feel <clears throat> like, like bottom line, don't, don't run away from the gadgets. That's part of the fun of watching these films. The, the, the Craig Bond films very light on gadgets, almost nothing. Um, yeah. But like, you know, you know, Ethan Hunt is, is has gadgets that they would have given Pierce Brosnan if he had continued as Bond. Like he, for sure, such cool and fun gadgets. And what do we talk about with Rogue Nation? The memorable. The, a lot of these gadgets are super cool and memorable. Like that. That's part of the fun of talking about these spy films is is these cool gadgets. Yeah. I like Fallout. I I think that Ro- this isn't a slight on Fallout. I think Rogue Nation does have like some of the best. Yeah. Like yes. we just have a, we have a. I feel like we have a actual buffet of gadgetry that we see in rogue nation like we do see some good stuff here um i i don't mean to to no say it's definitely less but like rogue yeah, nation yeah. has like there's so much on the table there yeah. that's like oh my god look at all these wonderful wonderful gadgets we're using all yeah. of our favorite toys the uh every film introduces a new way to make masks very funny i think that's yes. cool yeah uh, this one this one got broke because henry cavill smashed <clears> his <throat> face with it yeah <laughs> yes um anything else you want to say about this one I I just I'm I'm one I'm so glad that we got to do this watch all these movies again because like I think I think uh, uh it's just a great franchise and like it's really cool like you know being online like everybody's doing it everybody's this doing is, it this, this is something this is, I have to say this is something I've enjoyed about all our franchises this year it yeah. happened with Scream and it happened with Indiana Jones and it's happening now with Mission Impossible yeah every a whole bunch of people online also did the same thing we're doing and revisited <laughs> the films and so they're having these conversations about damn these movies are good yeah, specifically like Nation <laughs> and fallout there's so many clips i'm like damn these movies do rule uh mm-hmm. and i'm in the reviews for for the new one are out spoilers it's good i'm hearing really good things so like i'm i'm so jazzed again even if mccory said like he wants to do more we're getting at least two more of these movies at this this quality level like give me a break dude we're so blessed so hashtag blessed Rate it. I'll give ten. This is. I think this is a, a a perfect action movie. Like I, this is like like a John Wick two situation where like I I have almost no faults and any faults I have are so minuscule they they you don't even notice them for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a ten. Oh yeah, it's a ten for sure. Um, this is the one that like, it, it, I think I can't find a bad thing about this movie. Like it, I think it hits on every level that it should. It, it I think it has truly captured what a mission impossible movie can do at its best and again like i really love ghost protocol um mm-hmm. i find it incredibly entertaining but a a weaker villain and a lack of ving rames puts it underneath fallout for me uh ben rate it i would say 9.5 only because that needle is just still like going it's like jumping between 9.5 and 10 so big this, score, baby. I mean, Good. this was still my first time watching it, and I loved this movie. I had, I had a blast. It was this and Rogue Nation. To me, they're like a nice, cohesive whole story, and I am super excited for Dead Reckoning now. I am actually, I did not know that um, uh, the White Widow was going to be back in Dead Reckoning. Now I'm like excited because I kind of like her. I'm mm-hmm. really happy oh, yeah. with a lot of the the characters keep coming back because it makes the show feel more like um, 
an ensemble. It makes the the the, the movie feel more like an ensemble piece, and I yeah. appreciate that. Absolutely. Now, if we can only get Paula Patton back, dude, I'm uh, dude. There's no way Paula Patton and did jo- did Jonathan Reese Myers, the Irish guy, did he die? No, he's alive. he's alive. Okay, I, mean, he, I don't need him as much, but I need Paula Patton back. Yes, no, I don't. I don't need Jonathan Reese Myers and Maggie Q back as much as I enjoy them. Yeah, I I do really like Paula Patton's character. Yeah, and I could use her coming back. I I could use Renner back too if he he wanted to. Like I, I wouldn't mind it. Like it's. Yeah, it, it, there's good use for those characters. I don't know if they'll be like in Dead Reckoning Part One. That kind of feels like a ending the franchise kind of thing. But like, mm. it could they could show for fun for like they don't need to do that as much as possible. Do what you want. Mm, I'm just yeah. so excited for Dead Reckoning. It's out. It comes out tomorrow. Renner and Paula Patton are on my wish list of characters come back. Hey, if we could get Kittredge back, we can get anyone. Yeah, back. see, that's the thing. We anything, got anything can happen. We got Mi One guy back. Oh, we can get anybody. Hell yeah. I was. I say it's a nine once more. Um. Do we want to rank them? Can't, yes. Should we? Okay, so we, let's do we it. touched base last time, so we know we know that the ranking was four, three, one, two. We yes. all agreed yes. last yeah. time that that's where things are. Yeah. So where do these two fit now? I uh, I can't say it out loud. I mean I I mean I have to write it down or else I'll be confused. We all we all know what the titles are, so you can go ahead and yeah, use yeah. the numbers, guys, just for efficiency's <sighs> sake. I can go first because I know what it is. It's six, four, five. Three, one, two. I that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, five, three, so, one, yeah. two. I like Fallout the best, and then it's and then it's and then it's Ghost Protocol, and then it's Rogue Nation. Yeah. Um, Ben. Six, five, four, three, one, two. Yep, Six, that's five, yep. Four, three, one, two. Okay, yeah. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm here. Okay, so it's so it's. Ghost Protocol at the number one spot, and then it's at the number two spot. Uh, Fallout, Rogue Nation, three and one, That's and then in the. <laughs> no, Boo. I can make no decisions about That's my, that, every that's movie. That's my bullshit. Incredible. Brandon's pulling my bullshit right now. Yeah. Uh, no, it, 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 so it's, it's four. I think I think it's I think I'm pretty good with four, six, five, three, one, two. We're all we're all the same except for like just like the top ones. Yeah. They're all they're all good. These are all And good. again and again like really like uh the the middle the middle four can like switch at any moment because I really like yeah. all these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um all right. we, what we what we all agreed across the board is that Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout are all just Bangers, bangers, bangers. Like, absolutely yeah. great films. God. What a fun time! Four, five, six is just like a great, like, you want to watch the greatest, like, spy trilogy. It's just like, bam, like, incredible stuff. Ben, I'm so glad you got to go through these, yeah, uh, and that you're ready for Dead Reckoning with us. This I'm is ready. such fun. Um, I'm thrilled genuinely that we get uh to experience this next one I together. Me, Me too. I'm really excited. I was really sad that we're gonna. we couldn't review Fallout together, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad we're gonna get to do Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Five years ago, crazy. Um, okay, shall we get into a book club then? I would love to. Secret, oh, secret. It's the last time. Ben, it is your turn. Uh, take it away. <laughs> it is my pick. So originally last week when I picked the book club, I announced it was Secret Invasion by Brian Michael Bendis. However, looking back into the archives, we realized, oh shit, we actually did that. Brian is 
putting it five, so I assume we did that. Back five when years. Fallout came out five years ago. Wow. Shit. Okay. It was five years ago, yeah. So we changed it, or I changed it, thanks to a uh, suggestion to Secret Invasion Mission Earth, which came out in 2022 and it ended this year. It is written by Ryan North. It is drawn by Francesco Mobili and. I don't know who did the colors, but I know that the cover artist was Matteo Loli because that's all uh-huh. the information that's on my phone right now. Love it. And it is essentially a spy book about Maria Hill hunting down some scrolls. And guys, what did you think about this one? Because I will come off the bat and say yes. I know I enjoyed this one a whole lot more than the original Secret Invasion. Yeah, uh, colors by Jordi Belair, uh, famed, famed, oh. awesome colorist. Um, I, I, I really like this book. I, I almost love this book. Um, uh. I think also that just ties into what we're, we're um, the show I'm currently watching. And like, this is the version of that show I, I wish existed. Um, yeah. This is such a incredible look at Maria Hill uh, and the way that like the, what she will do to save humanity and the way that she is different from Nick Fury, but in the way that she is the same as Nick Fury. And she does just want to help the, help people, even if she's kind of a bitch. Um, I love this idea of this new type of scroll invasion. It isn't a worldwide invasion, which they make fun of in the book. They're like, if you took over the world, then you had a public battle in Central Park, you dummies. Uh, incredible commentary. With superheroes? Of course yeah. you were going to lose that, you idiots. Yeah, I, uh, I think this is really funny. Uh, Ryan North is such a good writer. And he's definitely like, He's been around, but he's coming up more and more. He's writing Fantastic Four right now. Uh, he wrote in, in, uh, uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and that's where the plot, some of that comes in from that book. Um, so I think this is just a really good time. You know, I'm in the mood for something Secret Invasion-y. Um, so I'm glad. I'm really glad to have read this. Uh, I I also really, really enjoyed this. I think the art is exceptional. So um, good. I love that this is a just a Maria Hill book, essentially, um, which really works for me. Uh, threw I think me off from I, that first issue. I didn't think about it. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's really, really well written, and I think that every um, cliffhanger beat of uh, the issues are paid off very well in the subsequent mm-hmm. storytelling. Um, and it really keeps you like, all right, so what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And I'm always mm-hmm. pleasantly um, satisfied with what the reveals are for what's going on. Yeah, um, but- I think it's I think it's just a solid tight five issue story that really works for me even the books themselves i found myself blazing i so, sorry I'm, I'm cutting brandon off because i just want to get this thought out real quick um i felt like i was blazing through this book because with five even with five issues with marvel sometimes they kind of drag a little bit it's like how long is this issue but you're absolutely right sparks this book is a very quick it's tight it gets to the point there's fluff where there needs to be fluff it there's not a lot of fat that has to be trimmed. I think this, like, it's a really good, like, easy hour-ish or 45-minute read, give yeah. or take. I really enjoyed this. I thought this was really cool. Um, I agree that, with whoever said it, I think it was either Ryan or Sparks. Uh, Ryan, um, the idea that these, uh, that, this is, that this is kind of the show that I wanted Secret Invasion to be. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I really, I really like what we're doing here. This kind of smaller scale secret invasion, the kind of like we're on it this time. We know that if you're going to, if they're going to do it, we know how to beat you and we're going to do that. So we're going to do all these blood tests and we're going to uh, do, do all of that. Um, and so like the reveals aren't like, Oh, black widow is, is a scroll. The next issue we got her back. We're good. Very, uh, uh, very much a Maria Hill pulling an Ethan hunt yeah. and thinking many steps ahead. Yeah. Uh, to to catch on to the the anticipated lane of scrolls. Also, 
a thing reference when my one of my my, my my favorite horror movie john carpenter's the thing they do blood test to find who else the alien is oh. um to to what brandon was saying were you done brandon or did you want, yes, have more you wanted to throw okay um uh to what brandon was saying um uh it's not necessarily like this is what I wanted the show to be, but it is the dynamic I wanted Nick Fury and Maria Hill to have. Yeah. Um, which is this idea of like Nick Fury kind of as like, you know, uh, a public face and he's like, he can get his information and everything, but like Maria Hill's now doing the down and dirty mm-hmm. and she's the one who's prepared for this. And she's the one who's taking a lot of the reins for it um, to know what, what needs to be done. And oh. I really, really like that. Yeah. I wish, cause we, cause we asked this question in our secret invasion fake nerds watch. Like, so what is, what is Nick Fury? What is his role without shield? And I like that they tell him they're you're looking at Nick Fury, agent of no one, freelance law enforcement slash international incident manager slash justifiable paranoid savior of earth. And I'm like, that's deep. put that on business card, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the opening that he when he realizes that the family are scrolls, and he's like, oh, son of he a bitch, punches a child, and I'm like, that's how I know it's right. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good old fake child. Yeah, looking at the photo and and realizing uh... two daughters instead of a son and a daughter. Yeah, yeah. No, it's and the then... um, it's the clothes. They're wearing the exact same clothes. Yes. Oh, sure. Got it. Got and it, then got getting it. and then getting busted and finding out Furies were busted at all different places of government at once. Yeah, yeah. that is good. Yeah. I also like the pay- the payoff from that scene, which is you know like Nick, are you fi- like how are you? Are you fine? Like you know that's our co- that's our call and response to know that one of us is compromised, and then paying that off later when Fury is like Maria, are you okay? Um, I'm goddamn great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's so, like when I'm, she's I'm, in the I'm, room, when she's in the room, and she's like, "I'm goddamn great," and he's like, "Son of a bitch, it's your game now." Because <laughs> he knows she's girl. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great in, uh, uh, interrogation scene between Maria Hill and and a scroll, and it reminded me of the Black Widow Loki scene from Avengers, where Maria Hill kind of lowers her guard a little bit, and she's like, gets really close to the to the uh, to the shield. Uh, and she's like, door, shields. And they open and she stabs this scroll with a with a uh, uh, syringe. And she's like, Jesus, Maria. And I was like, you thought I was weak? I ain't weak. I'm better than you. Ah! Like, Maria's so tight. She does a halo drop uh, that is like the dopest anyone's ever looked in a comic. You can't see it from here, but she does a halo drop. It's incredible from a shield helicarrier. Just the the yeah. art, Spark said it, the art is phenomenal in this comic. It is pretty damn good art. Uh, the, the Tony Stark you know, reveal like that the, Ryan put up on the phone on, on his phone real quickly. Um, uh, very good reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I love. Uh, I honestly love when she has her confrontation moment with Tony, where Tony's explaining what the scrolls have been able to do and all this stuff, and and he's like, "Yeah, well, we had to put in the blood packs just in case because I didn't want them to be busted for being scrolls." God damn it, like, Tony! <laughs> damn it, Tony! You ruined like the one way that we could, you know, figure out who's who. And he's like, "Ah, oh, shit! Yeah, that's my bad." <laughs> yeah, that is. Um... I, I I I took a picture of him, but that is this is really good Tony Stark because he is somebody who absolutely is like yo I do want to save the world and like scrolls will help me uh, so I'm gonna like actively sabotage my friends around me without actually thinking about it I'm like uh, you never you know, that's really good I, I, I know really I know like you know when you get to the fifth issue you find out like what really happened here but the reveal. Uh, for the last page of the, uh, the the third issue, where she says no, and it, they make it look like she shoots the scrolls. Oh. I was like, oh man, the, the the art, the beat is so like, oh god, the the fake out um, of them not actually killing the scrolls and using the mutant scroll to just play a bunch of dead bodies, and like, that's why they were dumped in a clump. That's why we dumped them dumped in a clump, and uh, like. Because I am somebody who believes that Maria Kill would would kill scrolls like that, but this is about character growth. And this is Maria about her getting over, getting over her scroll racism uh, and wanting to make a scroll kill crew. Um, it's really great. It's really great character development mm-hmm. shit. Like, and again, like, 
Oh, that's such a good. The art is so good. God, um, there are so many sequels now. Like we've had Civil War two, and like the only really good one is Secret Wars. Thank you, Jonathan Hickman. But there's so many returning to really famous events. So when I heard we're doing another Secret Invasion tie-in book, I'm like, ah, whatever. Especially because you know, like they were making this to land with the, with show, the show, like when they sh thought the show was coming out earlier. Absolutely, and like this is like this is like the best example of how you can use a a, a, a name of a story and recontextualize it, do something different with it. Uh, I think it's really great. Uh, I think it's super fun. Uh, again, like I, I cannot stress how much all of the art. It really reminds me of a cleaner Greg Capullo. The way he draws faces, specifically noses. Uh, just if you read a lot of his Batman, you know people have a little similar noses. I recognize that nose anywhere. Uh, it's still, it's still fantastic. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, when, when the scroll Maria is standing up to the other scrolls, uh, the bad scrolls, and uh, is has the Avengers crashing into the building, yes. and uh, and she's saying like, "But you, you passed the blood test," and she's like, "Yeah, you should have gone for the head." And then Nick Fury's like, "Or the tongue," and she's like lots of places really that you should check besides God. where you did uh there's a great scene where um uh, uh nick and maria are getting alternately punched and nick gets punched twice she's like hey it spits up blood you skipped my turn and i'm like oh you're so good where's why weren't you like this in the mcu uh speaking speaking of the art i do want to highlight there's two pages that use this paneling here oh, oh god but the camera will not let me it will in one second hold on uh, the pages i'm talking about specifically for our audio listeners they're these ones where we get um oh it's green screen but like you can see the outline of the scroll heads on oh, the yeah. sides yeah <laughs> um where that's used to show what's happening with the scrolls. I think that that's so smart. You get these four scroll heads on on the left and right yeah. for these full spreads, so you really see like where they're infiltrating as uh, the scroll is gloating over Maria. Yeah. I, I show this, uh, but for for audio listeners, I'm showing up the the reveal that Tony's working with all the scrolls, and it's like six Tony Starks, and he's like, "Don't worry, Maria, it's just me." <laughs> And it's like really creepy, and you think maybe he's a bad guy, and it's like, no, he's a good guy. Just he's really stupid. He's being really stupid about it. No, pretty much one of the things I love about this book is, um, Brandon, you're muted. There Who muted? Go. What? Who muted me? I not me. I don't even know. Nobody muted you. Oh, that's weird. I didn't touch your system is betraying you. Yeah, apparently it doesn't matter. Go on, Ben. No, I was. I was going to say one of the things I love about this book and also what made me want to keep going forward with it were, were the cliffhangers. Issue yep. one, after the whole Avengers, like they get the um they get the blood, the blood fusion or like the blood fusion, the blood test and everything. They mm -hmm. find the scroll Romanoff, the scroll impersonating Romanoff, and then the scroll goes to the bathroom and goes, That's something I didn't want to hear today. I was like, oh shit. Like every other and issue three was like a huge shock. Issue four mm -hmm. was every single one was a great issue. To, and then it was just like I want to know more. Even issue five, where don't send a scroll to do a super scrolls job. I was like, oh, there's even more. That's fun. That's fun because I guarantee you that's showing up in his Fantastic Four run. Yeah, because that's where the super scrolls uh, come from, baby. Um, I really do like Maria's beat that she has, where um she's having the meeting uh with the intelligence officers talking about the scroll invasion, and she says Reed Richards is the one who developed the miraculous scroll scroll detector that saved us, and we put all of those in all of our buildings, and it's an invention, ladies and gentlemen, that no longer works because yeah. Fury walked into all of those buildings and we didn't know. Yeah. <sighs> and again, you mentioned the scene, but it is really funny seeing like six different Nick Furies get get uh mm -hmm. arrested. Um yeah. that's a great again, that's a great first issue of like you think it's gonna be all about Nick Fury and stuff and then no, no. Yeah. Hill. Uh, also, the the we know it's you know put on for show, but the fight uh, between Iron Man and Maria Hill yeah. in, the, in the armor up on, on the helicopter is real tight. It looks really good. 
uh, it's it's tense when you don't know what's really going on. I really really like. Yeah, that. it's a, it's well well staged. Absolutely. I yeah. like that, uh, Maria. I'm not muted, am I? No. No, we got you. I like that Maria um, uh, is is upset at Tony's reveal that uh, he, when he says it's all me, um, it's just me, uh, and have him kind of realize him almost immediately that this was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, I'm so sorry. I did that wrong. I did yeah. that wrong. <laughs> Uh, and his whole thing of like, yeah, like, you know, I was using the scrolls to like, I can't be everywhere at once. They love help. They love being superheroes. Like, Tony, you're just giving these people your suits to go out. Are you giving them like, like information? Like, no, they're just, they're just I'm just hiring them. They're my employees. Like, Tony, you're brilliant, but you're really stupid. Well, <laughs> like, like you there. know, it kind of, it kind of creates this idea of, uh, that the MCU is playing with that the, the not all scrolls, not all scrolls are bad, right? Like these mm -hmm. scrolls are not part of the military. They just want to live. Yeah. Um, and so he's kind of being like a humanitarian for them to be like, come work for me. And like, they get paid, I assume. Um, mm -hmm. one, one of the things that I really like about this book that that exemplifies that's being told in a small scale story. Mm -hmm. This isn't a big major Marvel event, even though the Avengers are in it, this is a smaller scale story. And I really appreciate that, which puts it in stark contrast with the, with the series for me. That's where this, that's where the kind of connection happens for me because if you're going to do the show as a smaller event, not doing Secret Invasion, the original, uh, this is the template. This would have been the template. Yeah. Yeah, like you want to have a more personal character story, which is why I think it's so smart. It's like, you know, the Avengers are present, but like this is Maria Hill's story and then a little bit of Iron Man and a little bit of Nick Fury, but like the, the, it's, yeah. it's down to those three. Yeah. And that's who this story is focused on. And like more than anything, it's Maria Hills. Yeah. And I think it, it really works at that angle. And it really works as this like secret invasion that that it's like the secret invasion that never was like, you know, it, yes. it almost happened, but it didn't because Maria Hills just too goddamn good at her job. And that's the right. story. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I can find a picture, but there was a really great thing about how like the scars of that first invasion are still being felt by by, by the next generation. And like that's the kind of stuff that the graphic is dealing with in the show Secret Invasion. And like I like that we can have a connection to that big event while not having it be a big event, but the the the, the stakes still feel big. Like they are still trying to like destroy the world, the human world. Um, and it's just a really good, just a good comic. Like it's, I'm glad I'm glad I got to read it because like <laughs> if we were just gonna reread the old comic again. I'm like, oh yeah, I read that before. <laughs> so I'm glad we got to do this. Me yeah. too. All right. Anything else? Um, I, I do think like just that whole first issue with the family bit and like the idea of this grieving family as the setup to get Nick out there is really tight mm -hmm. uh, for like, he, he's a scroll. That's why he was distant and all this. And I'm like, oh man, you almost believe the lie. And like, just like Nick, like kind of pity him. And then, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting. I wasn't sure. I did not expect that the, all three would be scrolls. Like I, I, I thought like they just weren't crazy. And it was just like, oh, like the paranoia of the brief, the last invasion is still haunting people. Like, no, shit is going back. It was, it was really good that it's just like, oh, it was a believable story, you know, in general. Like, oh, what a, what a, you know, like that makes perfect sense in the context of like this comic world. Like, you know, scrolls exist. Of course you would like create this lie. Like yeah. it's very believable. And then they're like, haha, gotcha, Nick. And he's like, God damn it. I fell for the mm -hmm. sympathetic family. <laughs> gotcha. <clears throat> good. Uh, good. Anything else? Man, I love it. It's yeah. just so, it looks so good. I highly recommend people check it out. I'm so, definitely so it's a newer comic and it's like, it's really solid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like we said, at the end of this year, um, I'm going to go on Marvel Unlimited 
Uh, and I'm going to check what other art that this person has done because it's it's truly exceptional. Uh, their 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 facial expressions like Maria Hill gives so many like eh, and oh like so many like really expressive and like that's that's like that's the shit I look for in comics. Like man, like I wanna I wanna know these characters what they're feeling like because like you know drawing 500 people in a comic's hard man like but every every panel is expressive like you got the gift man. Hmm. Yeah, the, all the all the base art and the coloring is just so dynamic and cool. Especially, you get stuff like this with Iron Man facing down Maria. It yeah. looks so yeah. good. That's pretty cool. Love it. Um, okay, well, guys, that's it. No more book club next week. Um, so we will continue yep. the book club over on the Fakner Book Club feed. Uh, oh so yeah. Stay tuned for when that starts up again. That will be ryan's turn because it is ryan's turn next uh, do you have do you know nope no so stay tuned for whatever yeah so stay tuned for whatever that's going to be as well as guys like we said up top this is the final show the, like this this is the final show as you know it um the, the faker podcast from next week onward will be changing uh just to recap it will be just the weekly roundup and then it will be the the news and then that's it that's the end of the show um, so stay tuned for that, as well as joining us earlier in the morning, uh, earlier yep. in the day, Sunday morning rather than Sunday night. So hope you'll, right. hope we'll, you'll join us. Yeah. And we're still going to be talking Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, just not just not Sunday. We still don't. Doing it. And, and just on that note, like we do know we're doing it. We don't know exactly when we're doing it because Ben does have plans next weekend. So yeah. Ben will not be on our next weekly episode. So you'll yeah. just get... Brandon, Ryan, and I, but we'll be here and we're going to talk about the news. This new format will adjust and we will find a time and then you'll get our Dead Reckoning discussion. That's going to happen Can't as well. Fight yep. the friction. So everything's still happening. It's just happening yeah. in a different way. Yeah, a little bit yeah. different. A little bit. Uh, I, I see I see you, Grayson, there with the little sad crying eyes emoji. <laughs> I see you there. I see you. I'm not going anywhere. Grayson, Grayson, this leaves us more time to get together and play Shredder's Revenge before that new movie drops, which Bro, we have to do. We have a month now. Yeah. Time keeps going by. So... Um, yes, as, as, as Sparks and Ryan's expertly said, uh, Dead Reckoning, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 will be our next, for sure, Cinephiles. Uh, and that's where, where you will see from now on movie reviews. Um, just just there. So stay tuned for uh, when that is released. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, I do want to clarify just for the audio listeners real quick. Cinephiles, those will continue to show up in our Fake Nerd podcast thread. They'll still just be denoted as Cinephiles. So you will be getting our news episodes regularly and our Cinephiles there. The book club episodes will not show up on this main Fake Nerd podcast audio feed. So if you are a listener, you're going to want to go to our Fake Nerd book club feed. That is where the uh, book clubs are now going to show up. If you are somehow, somehow, someone who listens to the podcast for only the 20 minutes of the book club, this is really going to benefit you. Because <laughs> you're not gonna have to skip four, or, or three. if it's just your favorite thing, or if it's everything, yeah, you don't have to skip three hours of a podcast just to get to the book club. So, like, that's gonna that's gonna be helpful for everybody. So, uh, yeah, guys, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'll get to the thank yous actually in a minute. Um, so, guys, Fake Nerd Podcast, like this video, subscribe to this channel, um, check out all the other shows that we have on this network if you want. Um, some of them are linked below, such as Conversation, my sixth episode of. Six, yeah, sixth episode of Conversation season two is out with Rachel Strange. Great conversation. I love talking to her. Um, cannot, uh, uh, I will tell you what my next guest is next week. Uh, please listen to that. Fake Nerds Watch, Star Trek Strange New World season two. Fake Nerds Watch will continue, uh, of course. And uh, we've re recently recorded a second episode for Secret Invasion, so stay tuned for that's release. Oh, oh no, you froze. 
he oh. can't fight the friction. Uh, um, you froze for a moment, Brandon. You're back. <sighs> Just go to our website, and I'll talk. Uh, thanks for everyone for 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 joining us. Good night. <laughs> uh, I'm serious. I might just do it unless you guys want me to continue. No, no, we got you. You're you're, you're back. I mean, like you know, check out all our shows. We got our links conversation. We mentioned it up top. Fake nerds watch. Uh, you know, uh, basement arcade pause menus are coming. Fake nerd book club, all that kind of stuff. Check yeah. it all out. You know where to find it's it. It's here on YouTube. It's on... here on the website fakenerdpodcast.com. Yep. There you go. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. Give us our thank yous. Our T public and our Patreon. If I'm not frozen, you are uh, not. The, uh, the links below as well. By the way, uh, my conversation logo is now on T public. Um, so if you guys want to buy that, you can. Um, but as Bark said, website figurepodcast.com being updated regularly. So you know, check it out all the time. Um, thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast and watches the live show and has watched the rewinds. We greatly appreciate it. We Love your support this entire time. Uh, Grayson in the chat says, thanks so much for the show. It's been great. And I look forward to catching up next weekend. Um, probably means he won't be in the live chat, which will be a bummer to lose you, sir. Um, I am very grateful uh, that everybody who has sat through this four hour long podcast. Um, so every Sunday night, I just want to say thank you for that support. That was awesome. It's always fun to keep, to we don't do this for ourselves i don't i don't i don't do this for other people i do this for for myself and and to to enjoy doing this show but it's it's nice to know that there is actually somebody actively watching the stream when we do it yeah. it's kind of fun uh but yeah. so i appreciate it yeah absolutely um, and just in general even if you weren't here live thanks for bearing through these very long episodes yeah. uh it is appreciated absolutely yeah um of course thank you to jeremy bellucci who did all the music you heard here tonight uh, and all the music for every single one of our shows. You can find him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore wreck of time. By the way, he is also the co-host of the real score. Um, you can also check him out at his podcast, suburban proctologist on iTunes or Facebook at suburban proctologist official or Instagram at sub podcast. And once again, thank you to Mike Matola. As I mentioned, the shirt that he, the, the, the design he, he made for me for conversation season two is available um, uh, on the T public page. Should anybody be interested? He's in a couple of our logos. He's collaborated cool. with us. We love that man. Um, and the one in the corner, actually. Yeah, that um, one too. So uh, thank you to him. You can find him at, at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok. Maybe threads. He's on threads, I think. <laughs> oh, did he? Oh, what a cutie. Um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast guys at gmail.com i'm at bt mcclure on instagram and twitter uh i also write for cbr.com atomicgeekdom.com and kaijuramanmedia.com where i'm also the editor ben well you could find me still playing the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom at ben naga 27 on instagram twitter tiktok and now officially threads yes i jumped i jumped on the bandwagon and of course you could find me writing for fusion gaming magazine go nintendo.com old school gamer magazine and playing mary frankenstein in dn dark new episodes out wednesdays i play the barbarian and grayson live who's still in the chat most likely is our invisible man jack griffin so go ahead and check that out link is in the description down below sparks uh, you can find me completely wrapped up in the astonishment of new possibilities at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. And Ryan. You can find me 
very excited about the future of the podcast at DJ Tony Snark 616. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this podcast. Like this video, subscribe to our channel, and until next time you see us, guys, I assume <laughs> you're playing something? Oh, you didn't hear it? No, it I was didn't. The, it was the Vin. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to play the... Um, Give me this one. And his name is John Cena! John, what are you doing here? <laughs> John Cena wanted to give a last hurrah on our longest episode. <laughs> Hold on, I thought you guys were going to play this. Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. Hunt oh, is the living no. manifestation of destiny. I didn't destiny. even know that was Hunt there. The yeah, I didn't know that was there. And it won't go away now. Hunt is the living manifestation <laughs> no! of destiny. Ethan, stop manifesting. Um, yeah, I put that in there a couple weeks ago when we started this. I didn't. I forgot all no. about that. Yeah. I didn't forget I was... about the scream though. Um, alright, so sorry that loops. I forgot to take the loop off. Alright, guys, until next time you see us, stay fake nerds. Bye.